<laughs> lots lots of stuff to do in the crab world, I'm sure. Like, there's a whole narrative where we need Pirates of the Caribbean at Crab's End, you know. <laughs> I would pay so much real money for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, Are you kidding me? That sounds perfect. <laughs> Dead Man's Crab. You know, Curse of the... Dead Man's of Dip. The, yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by Tim of Hello Future Me. Tim, welcome to the show. Hello! It is good to be back and to talk about Hell this yeah. incredible film <laughs> that nobody loves enough. <laughs> oh boy, well I'm certainly excited to uh, hear what you have to say about it, and I guess I should ask you the question that always opens this show. Uh, why did we watch Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End? Uh, because I think it is it is well known as being not that good a film, but it's one of those weird films where even though you know on some sort of technical level that it's not that great, it is it is in my opinion just absolute fun, and every single time I enjoy it, and I think that's what I want to be there for in a film, you know. <laughs> Anyways, regardless of whatever quality, otherwise. Excellent. It's. I guess I should ask, like, what's your experience with the wider Pirates of the Caribbean series? Because obviously this is a, you know, kind of a long-running series of movies. Uh, it, I will admit it had been a minute since I have watched any of them when you uh, picked this for the show, so I've done a little bit of reminding myself of what happens in the previous films. Uh, but will you say you're a big Pirates fan overall? Uh, I enjoy all three of the films that were made. Um, and the, the, the fact that, you know, it was just a very nicely completed trilogy with no films mm. that followed, I think is just a really good decision <laughs> that they made not to like draw it out, you know, and like whipping a dead horse repeatedly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really ended on a high note and let us it go out. Ended on that. a high note, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I guess I, I love, I've always loved the, um, kind of just creativity and vibe of the films. Mm -hmm. um, it's just got it's got likable characters and it's got fun scenes and great music. Uh, so what's there not to love? Yeah, you hear that music swell up over the credits and you're just like, you know what? Maybe this was a really great movie experience after all. But we don't open on a great movie experience. We open on a noose uh, as prisoners are marched to the galley. An official reading out decrees that their right to assembly, to habeas corpus, legal counsel, etc. is all suspended. It's a very bleak picture uh, for these suspiciously pirate costumed uh, <laughs> prisoners that are being executed en masse. Uh, everyone who is accused of aiding or abetting pirates or piracy is sentenced to be hanged. Well, which is, <laughs> for the record, like, yeah. one of the most interesting things that they did in the series is that they took pirates, right? And they mm -hmm. turned them into, like, freedom fighters. So yeah. we never see across <laughs> any of the film any of the films i don't think we ever see them do like any actual piracy like mm -hmm. if people steal like rum it'll be from like other pirates and like a random town that's like all full of drunkards and they're just like oh we'll just take this this thing we don't think we never actually like see them do that much pirating in, in the sense of it because it's like they want us to think that they're like oh they just love the ocean and they love the freedom of sailing at the ocean and they're like the, the freedom to do what oh we're not answering that question you know <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I get the idea of like a very insular pirate community that all pirate at each other, but they don't see them too much outside yeah, of that, and they're like not, antagonistic East India trading company. Exactly, you know, exactly. And so like the 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 corporation, which is awful, mm-hmm. is, is is you know um, kind of that's the enemy, and they're 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 the suspending habeas corpus and everything like that. And it's it's, it's just funny that they try to align, you know. <laughs> Um, the pirate cause with like the cause of human rights, which I yeah. think is very funny. It's I don't know if it's a theme they carry through the rest of the movie all that much either. It's really just no. this opening scene. It gives you the impression of like, hey, is this the like pirate rebellion movie? And it's it's really not. No, <laughs> it doesn't have that much bearing on the subsequent two and a half hours that follows. It is a banger of a song though. Like, it is. It is. You yeah. Know. So as this, as they they bring you know for the real gut punch a child up to the gallows, so they get a little bucket for him to stand on to be executed. Because I guess this this Which youth is, nice is associated with piracy. Nice of them. Yeah. Nice that they're helping. Well, nice that they provided some assistance. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's it's you can't say that the East India Trading Company doesn't <laughs> think of its prisoners' needs. They're, yeah, they're ADA compliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this kid is singing to himself and flipping a little doubloon around, uh, a bit of a sea shanty-esque tune, um, and eventually another man on the gallows picks up that song as well, and soon all of the to-be-executed pirate associates uh, are singing together. Um, there. And I'm so glad that you agreed to give a rendition um, live oh, in your podcast. Ooh, I, I did. Uh, uh, Yo-ho-ho, yeah. uh, sales <laughs> raise. There was a rope line, I think. Said with this exact cadence, by the yes, way. Yes, like, uh, I'm he's... equally as excited as the pirates were. <laughs> uh, as the song picks up, the an official from the East India Company goes to inform Lord Beckett, our uh, one of our primary antagonists in the film, uh, that the pirates have started to sing, to which he replies, finally. So this song, it's a key moment, turning point, as you would. The... Uh, Gallows drop, the kid drops his doubloon, and we go to titles as the coin continues to fall. It's a very neat little mysterious and shady title sequence they got going for us with this coin. In a mysterious and shadowy settlement after the titles, we watch Kira Knightley, a.k.a. Elizabeth Swan, paddling her way through the, the waterways of what we will later learn is Singapore, uh, singing by herself as she watches the various East India Company men walk by docking she's approached by other men who start to sing along to her song the same song as we heard earlier in the previous only other existing sequence in the movie it's a nice little callback to five minutes ago uh (laughs) (laughs) it's a callback yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's how that writing technique works they look to threaten her a little bit because she's a woman on her lonesome but soon her companion captain barbosa appears uh i I love barbosa so great He's a fantastic. <laughs> so Jeffrey Rush just plays him so damn well. Yeah, uh, he just always is so clearly having a blast. Whether it's absolutely. being a pirate or Jeffrey Rush acting, like both sides of it, just you know, this guy is living it up. He is in his element. <laughs> it's um, you know, those those moments like in the first one where he goes, you know, you better start believing in fairy tales because you're in one. <laughs> and he's got one um. There's another line later on in this film where he goes, you know, um, you know, oh, how, how are we going to find this place? And he goes, well, we're, we're good and lost now. And he goes, yeah. well, why, why, why is that? Well, you certainly can't find a place that can't be found unless you're lost in the first place or something like that. And it's just a, <laughs> such a fantastic line. Just everything he does is just nicely rhythmic, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I hope we're going to hear more about from your pirate accent as this podcast continues. Oh, I can. I, I'll do this whole <laughs> podcast in a pirate Ooh. accent. Don't you made the promise now? Don't don't go back on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Barbosa has made his appearance, and uh, with this added muscle, all of these men come to an understanding, as he points out that the dear Miss Swan and he have a meeting with the men's master. Meanwhile, there are other pirates about uh, who use the power of straws to s- sneak their way by swimming underwater with the straw popping up above it. Okay, Classic when stealth was mode. the straw <laughs> invented? Hang on. <laughs> Good question. I gotta look this up. Oh my I guess gosh, it could appara- be like a piece of bamboo or something. But... Apparently it's ancient. Never mind. I thought it would be like... Yeah, apparently <laughs> really it's like... I'm there, not huh? even kidding. Like six to seven thousand years ago. Oh, dang. Apparently. Yeah, so we're... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh, now I have so many questions about straws, but we do... This movie is so long, we do not have time to talk about the <laughs> logistics of ancient straws for too long. Just know that these pirates have used them to sneak their way uh, under the many walkways of Singapore uh, to a, what I assume is a sewer grate of some kind, where they begin sawing their way through. Elizabeth, uh, as she's walking with Barbosa, asks after Will, who we have not seen yet, and gets a reminder to remember her place in the presence of Captain Sal Fung, who's going, who they're going to meet, uh, as he's off trying to find a chart of some kind. They are brought to Sal Fung as the men break through the grate below and begin crawling through the sewers. They have a, a moment I love in every movie where they're like, yeah, oh, the give us all your weapons. The unpacking and... of the weapons. And she's like, <laughs> yep. just, yeah, yeah. And she's, she's going, getting all the, we- the, the weapons yeah, with like, all she, the Yeah, you know, bad. she's got like yeah. four guns, like three swords, just everything. Every part oh, of her clothing is hiding weapons. This also does something that I've always loved, which is the, the time skip where like all the characters get like aged up and kind of darker because mm. the Kira Knightley's character... Elizabeth Swan, like she's a pirate in the second mm-hmm. film, but she's not like she's not like a warrior pirate yet. Like she's still kind of like I'm in this world that's not really my world, but this is her world now. Like we've yeah. skipped a decent amount, and so I really like kind of this moment being used as as that kind of like oh she's like fully armed here. The one yeah. thing I didn't like about it, rewatching it, it's something that didn't really occur to me as a kid, but. I didn't, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of kind of like the remove your clothes thing, like, that they, yeah. I'm just like, why is this necessary? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just odd seeing it in the past now, mm-hmm. I suppose, because it's just not something I would ever do, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's the, it's the, you remember the part of the scene where she's, you know, taking all of her weapons off, and it's funny because you get to see how capable she's become, and just how yeah. many weapons she's managed to conceal on herself. There's a bit where she pulls in a suspiciously large gun from seemingly nowhere, uh, but it's immediately followed by the guard telling her to take off more of her clothes, and it just feels... Um, Icky. Male gazy and sexualizing and icky. And it's like, yeah. oh, I was riding such a high from the joke two seconds ago, and now I'm immediately like, really, movie? You had to go there. It's also, like, tonally weird, because, like, the, the mm-hmm. films aren't super male gazy. Like, I don't... No. Uh, this is my... I don't know how bad my recollection of the previous films are, but, like, <laughs> Elizabeth Swan isn't treated like that a huge amount. Um, yeah. So it was just a little bit odd. Um, I mean, of course, the character's meant to be creepy and weird, and you're never really meant to like him across the film. Mm-hmm. But, because um, he's real slimy. But uh, still, just odd. You know? Odd. Yeah, really sets it up early. But, uh... Despite an icky moment, she is allowed to enter, and um, the whole gang enters this, like, bathhouse or, like, sauna where Sal Fung holds all of his meetings and is very dramatically steaming so that the steam can dissipate and we get a dramatic character reveal. 
Yeah, I great. like this set piece. I think it's a cool. I think it's an interesting More location steam. for them to have a meeting. More steam. <laughs> he welcomes Barbosa to Singapore, and below the bathhouse, like you just uh, elaborated for us, the crew is waiting and watching the steam operation room, where periodically they will be told to release more steam from. Barbosa requests a ship and crew, uh, but Sal Fung's like, well, wait a minute, what do you need all this for? And he can, you know, puts together for him that a few days ago someone tried to steal a chart that he's had in his family for generations or what have you um, yeah. to the farthest gate. Uh, and what a coincidence that this venture and that theft were so close in time. Uh, and when he gives a nod, Will is pulled out of one of the sauna pools, like strung up on the stick. He's been Looking under at... there for how long? So long! Like, so long! I know they wanted to give us damp Orlando Bloom, but God, at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> He's just been underwater the whole meeting. Because they, it's been a minute since they walked into this bathhouse. <laughs> Yeah, do they have the time? I don't know. Like, the, the, were they, like, waiting beforehand? They were like, oh, he's coming. Quickly tie him up. And then, like, they're like, oh, three, two, one, showtime, guys. And they're like, you know, put him down under the water. Let's yeah. go, let's go, let's go. Like, Maybe that's why they needed all the steam before to, before they dissipated. They needed to hide the, like, splash hide of that they're putting will. his head under the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but dramatic uh, wet Orlando Bloom is now here. He's entered the movie, the moment we were all waiting for. Um, so Fung wants to know why Barbosa would attempt a trip to Davy Jones' locker, and in response, Barbosa flicks a doubloon at him, declaring that the song has been sung and they must convene the Brethren Court. Remember that song at the beginning? Yeah. Singing time. So is that like a national anthem? Uh, I don't know. Like, what? A, can anyone it's sing it? Like sea shanty esque. Yeah. I, There's some law behind it. I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah. It's neat. I like, I look, sea shanties and like that sort of chanting group singing stuff is always really cool. It always plays well on screen and on soundtrack. Always plays so well. You're not going to yeah. hear me complain about it. I don't know the deep lore of pirates enough to tell you if anyone in the pirates universe could sing it and summon the Brethren yeah, so, Council. The Brethren Council is just like it's the 10th goddamn time this year. Like, <laughs> it like starts trending on the charts and the Brethren Council yeah, got to convene like, like all the time. It's like, no, that's what I call sea shanties, adds it to their like oh. later album and now the brethren cancel is just constantly meeting Selfung <laughs> <laughs> uh. is also one of the pirate lords which means he has to honor the call uh and this makes him demand more steam which now that the crew beneath the sauna has taken over uh all of barbosa's men rush around to comply with trying to figure out which dials to pull to release more steam it's very you know the the crews in this movie are always sort of like the com comedic extras that are off doing yeah. little antics on the side so when plot is happening they often cut away to in particular eye patch and what's his name right yeah it's like side characters yeah, I think they do a really good job of balancing like comedic cutaways in the actual plot for the most part. There's not too often where they're undercutting like a serious dramatic moment with a joke, or they're using it in such a sparing way that it works. Marvel. I feel like, Marvel. Yes. Marvel. I'm glad someone else said it, so it's not just me. The the <laughs> but, most criminal yeah. moment being the last Jedi opening scene. Oh. Oh, that's so annoying. We're not here to talk about that film. We're though. not, we're here, not no, here to talk no, about. No, we're here to talk film. about pirates, which is a much better. Job. Uh, yeah. And I think for the most part, the jokes that they cut away to do land too. Like they do a lot of physical humor that like actually works really well. Mm. And all it's of the, quite all, yeah, quite, of the yeah. And all the actors who are playing the pirates are like 
talented in their own right. So I think I get the sense that they mm. all have like pretty good on their own comedic timing. So everyone's really just, you know, doing their best and it, it's working. Selfong seems a little unwilling to participate in this Brethren Council, which makes Elizabeth angry and she begins to insult him. But he sort of just like laughs her off and instead insists on an answer to his previous question. Uh, what do they seek in Davy Jones' locker? Will, uh, damp as he is, responds, Jack Sparrow, and Selfung is not happy about that uh, because no one in this movie is ever happy to see or find <laughs> Jack Sparrow. <laughs> but as Barbosa explains, Jack has one of the nine pieces of eight, and since he failed to pass it on to his successor before he died, they have to get him back if they want to really convene the council and get all the pirate lords in one place. So Now, I need to bring up something hilarious about that so i was (laughs) i never thought about it when i first watched the film but watching it back this means that like the pirates like they they go okay so one of the pirate lords is dead all right Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. okay that's gotta happen you know it's our line of work right um and he died without having it for a successor you know how are we gonna deal with this Oh, maybe we should have some, like, laws that it goes to, like, you know, their closest <laughs> crewmate or something like that. You know, yeah. someone who's lived with them the some longest. Some sort of no. line of succession. Nope. <laughs> no. No such thing as a line of succession in Pirate <laughs> Law. The only solution is to go and get him back from the dead so that he can give someone his his piece of eight. Like, it's not like we could let Gibbs finally ascend the yeah, job ladder and take his rightful place. It's the job ladder. <laughs> There's not a lot of upward mobility in the pirate world, you know? You're kind of no, either no. immediately a captain, or you are first mate or below forever. <laughs> yeah, so I found that really funny. I'm just like, wait, so the pirates, like, never considered this, or, like, have never encountered this problem before, you know? The pirates are, like, well, they say they've only assembled the council four times, so I guess the fourth one being in this movie. So I assume that means that every time they have assembled the council, they haven't had this issue but they also seem to be like an incredibly lawful, like we have a code and everyone follows it society. And also no one has really learned all those laws or thought all of them through. So the, they just go by whatever's written. And if they don't have a rule for it, it's like, well, I guess we don't have a rule for this. Like we'll make something up. I, I think the impression is that you get across the film is that yes, the pirates have rules, but the rules are all horrifically inefficient. Yeah. And, like, because, like, there's a part <laughs> later in the scene, right? And later in the film, mm-hmm. jumping forward a bit, but with the democracy, like, voting for a pirate king. And it's like, nobody ever becomes the pirate king because everyone only votes for themselves. But Elizabeth gets picked as queen by mm-hmm. two votes. Because she has two votes, like, out of... She doesn't even need a majority. She just needs the most nope. votes. It's like, of course they'd use first past the post. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? And Selfong uh, further doesn't particularly like this course of action. Uh, so he's like, well, I guess it's time to go on the attack. Uh, and there's a very cool moment where Barbosa's men throw swords up through the slats in the floor yeah. at them and they catch him. And I'm like, oh, man, action, baby, let's go. Selfong threatens to kill a man whose tattoo had previously been shown to be like running in the steam, implying that it was fake. Uh, but this just sort of confuses Barbosa and the gang because it's not one of their men. Uh, and as both pirate groups realize that it's, this is not one of us, it must be someone else. The answer to that question of whose man is it comes busting in through the door. It's the East India Trading Company. Our the token. heroes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beckett, you know. Well, hey, he's mm-hmm. just trying to bring liberty and economy to the rest of the world. That's that's yes. his aim, right? That he's the hero. 
Totally. Uh, I do like a kind of a turn from some of the previous movies. The East India Trading Company is only villains. There is no nuance to the take uh, whatsoever. Any previous East India Company characters that had any glimmer of like bond with other members of the pirate crews, spoiler alert, going to get killed off in the course of this movie. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about Norse? Nor? Norse? I think it's Norrington. Nor- Norrington? Norrington and Norrington? Elizabeth's father, both at this point, I think are still working for the East India Camp Trading Company and yeah. both uh, will be dead both. by the end of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Bickett, I gotta say, fantastic villain. So good. So good. So you good. always feel like he's in control in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he feels like a genuine real threat. Yeah, he's steeped enough in the greater lore of the pirate's world that he can kind of anticipate their moves in a rather than being very responsive um and at this point uh davy jones who was the antagonist of a previous film uh is working with the east india trading company so we'll see a little bit more of that later on but he feels in control of both the lore of whatever uh squid faces deal is and also how to manipulate the (laughs) the greater still stands as like the best cgi villain like ever made basically it looks so good like, yeah, it this still movie stands came up out to this day. In 2007? 2007. And wow. it looks good enough that it could have come out this year and it would not surprise yeah. you. Like, that's that, the, the job the VFX all. artists did on that fil- this film is incredible. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> this is now an all out brawl through the streets of slash platforms of Singapore. Uh, Will manages to free himself and the crew underneath set off an explosion that now brings the chaos of this bathhouse out into the streets. Um, the East India Company go to fire, and the there was a musician that had previously provided some distraction while uh, the men snuck into the sewer grate. We see that that is Tia Dolma. <laughs> Tia Dolma. That's one of the things that people are going to notice about this. There's just a lot at all times. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's just a lot packed into every single moment. This you know? was a fun and movie this... to summarize because I was doing a lot of, like, I'm going to watch 10 minutes and then I'm going to go back and write my summary and just see yeah. what I can cut to try and that, get this podcast to a reasonable length. <laughs> there's so many, like, little complications all the time everywhere. And, and yeah. it, 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 that's part of the reason I think some of it, like, it didn't get that good reception is that they're just trying to do so much all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really, there's never, like, a quiet moment in this movie. Uh, whether that is to its benefit or uh, what is whatever the opposite of benefit is, I've lost any thought of what that word is. A boon, <laughs> so or, a boon, a or... boon or a, a curse. curse? <laughs> yeah. It's got uh, curse. Yeah, that works. It's quite thematic, uh, well... <laughs> curses. Yeah, curse there's the a lot of curses pearl. in this universe. There's a lot of curses, yeah. Cellphone corners Will, and the two have a little quick discussion about working together since Will needs the Black Pearl to free his father, who is currently trapped as one of the fishman sailors on the Flying Dutchman, Davy Jones' ship. And uh, they they kind of soared to each other's throat, have this little chit-chat, but eventually get out of the way as uh, a monkey, Jack, who you'll remember from previous installments in the franchise, uh, launches fireworks that go into a larger fireworks storehouse and blow everything up. And that sort of brings a very confusing combat sequence to an end as everyone reconnects with their appropriate group. Um, I'm going to refer to the monkey as the monkey and not Jack in the summary because he's the same character as a main character. Uh, and that can get confusing in an audio only <laughs> format. <laughs> um. That's another thing. Everyone wants the flying. Um, everyone wants the black pearl in this mm-hmm. film, and it's not always totally clear why. It just seems to be 
like yeah it's just like a reliable ship it's just a reliable ship like i looked up just now why does will want the black pearl to free his father and apparently the answer is it's literally just possibly better at beating the flying dutchman that's that's it that's the entirety technically yes they sort of beat the dutchman we'll get to it but yeah yeah, I think it's just they had the one other iconic fr- ship in the franchise. It's like, well, we have the Flying Dutchman and we have the Black Pearl, and everything else is just sort of ambiguously also a boat. So everyone's got to want this boat. Ambiguously also a boat. <laughs> it's another Cur- boat. It doesn't have a name. Don't worry about Cur- it. <laughs> Curse of the ambiguously named boat. You know. Curse of the one East India Company ship that I think they used in every shot, and then There's the one the, kind of it's more like Endeavor, Chinese. Right? Schooner. The Endeavor? Is it the Endeavor? Yes. I, I think don't so. know. Maybe I'm getting confused because the Endeavour is the ship that Captain Cook used to come mm. to New Zealand. So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, lots of other boats will feature in this movie. None of them will get named in this movie. Potentially they were named in the other two, uh, but this was a lot of hours of content to consume for the podcast, so I don't remember if it popped up in the Wikipedia summaries. Pirates movies are fun. You should watch them all in a marathon. <laughs> I didn't. All three of them. <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> Get your friends together, watch three movies, and then call it a day. As they reconnect, Will reveals that he indeed succeeded in nabbing the chart uh, to the edge of the world, or what have you, uh, and a ship to, and a crew, in fact, uh, as Sal Fung is going to cover their escape from the East India Company for previously, you know, uh, parlay reasons. Elizabeth and Tia catch up on the ship, wondering if Sal Fung will honor the call to the Brethren Council, and Tia is not so sure. Uh, when emerging from beneath the waves in a completely different location, it's a ship. What ship could it be? It's the Flying Dutchman. Y'all knew it. I never um, would have thought that, you know, emerging <laughs> from underneath the waves. Covered in algae and other sorts of sea life. It immediately decimates two normal ships that we have to assume are unnamed from either side of it. Uh, <laughs> And this is just a reminder that the Flying Dutchman exists in the world of this movie because it's literally going to show up, close close up, do its destructive thing, and then we're going to move to a completely different location where the East India Company headquarters are and the gang's all planning and plotting. It's true. It just kind of happens and then it's gone. Well, no, hey, it's meant to be that it's like, um, it's meant to be that the Flying Dutchman is going rogue and killing British ships. And that's mm. why in the following scene, Beckett says, um, Davy Jones needs a reminder of who's in charge. That's right. That's what it's meant to be, I think. Yeah, I think they could have shown a little bit more of the ship to get that point across, but it, it most of it is, I think, there it gets the cool ship combat reminder of what the Flying Dutchman can do and why it's so dangerous. Yeah. Pretty well um, communicated. Not very much and, so. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Beckett is hearing the report of this particular piece of information and also getting the word uh, on the piece of eight, uh, which he has in his possession, it seems, or at least a doubloon of some kind. I don't think it is actually one of the pieces of eight because later they have them all at the Pirate Council and I don't think anyone steals it back from Beckett. But early on in the movie, no, it's very unclear. Doesn't he, give, doesn't he give it to Jack? Does he give it to Jack? I thought Jack had it on his head the whole he time. He has it on his... He, he gives it to Will, doesn't mm. he? Because he, he's like, I have something you need. There's a lot of these scenes where yeah. someone says, I there's have something. There's a lot of them. Need. There's like five key objects in this movie, and they're going to get constantly traded between five yeah. characters. There's the, there's the compass. There's, there's the compass, the, the map, 
several the, pieces of the, eight. Honestly, the black pearl. The black pearl <laughs> and um, Davy Jones's heart also going to get traded around. Yes. A lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you've got to keep track of who's got what's and everything yeah. like that. It's and there's there's nine pieces of eight. Um, at least three of which do get traded around somewhat during this movie. Most of them stay with the pirates who have them, but like Sal Fung's gets traded around a little bit. I yeah. guess Jack and Barbosa sort of toss to the wind, what have you. But Beckett is hearing the report on the pieces of eight. He's laying out some of the lore uh, and the information that the East India Company has and now the audience has as well, because up till now, I didn't know what was going on. He doesn't have any info on the meeting place itself where the Brethren Council gets together. And he swears his second in command to like keep this matter quiet and top of mind as he looks over to Elizabeth's father, who he's clearly suspicious of. Uh, hopefully that doesn't bode poorly for the old man who works for the East India Company. Admiral uh, Norrington makes his appearance. The other yes. uh, one East India Company guy who may or may not uh, die by the end of this movie. And he uh, receives a gift from Beckett. It's a rapier, very cool sword. And they begin their machinations of sorts. Uh, and this is also where he's, you know, like, you gotta go... You gotta go tape it down with Davy Jones, man. He's been killing too many people. We need, we need prisoners. Um... Is this also the scene where Elizabeth's father is asked to sign his own execution? It's definitely where it's hinted at first. There's a few... He, yeah. He's like, we can't have her dad around because, uh, reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think it must be in this scene because I think the next scene we see him in is when he's heading over to the Flying Dutchman. And after right. that, we will only see him dead. Um Props to this movie for very quickly getting to the land of the dead. It's in the first part. It's like the first third of the movie. Yeah, I deal a, with that whole plot line. They get pretty quickly to the land of the yeah, dead. Yeah, because we're immediately moving from this scene to the frozen north where the pirate ship that uh, Barbosa, Elizabeth, and Will have commandeered is cruising through glaciers and everyone is comically covered in ice, uh, I freezing. I will also <laughs> note two yeah. things. One, the guy ripping his toe off because it's frost so frostbitten oh, i cannot stand that i can take that. like <laughs> I, I i can take like injures characters getting injured in any way get them shot get them cut open whatever cut off limbs for all i care i can't do anything to do with toes and fingers it just <laughs> like nails or anything like that just oh so can't take how it. do you feel about the six-fingered man in the princess bride like is that acceptable is it okay to have more fingers well, or yeah, can yeah, it only fine. be less no it's okay like, it's like torture scenes like ah, that sort of gotcha. thing but mm. also, this scene has my favorite musical cue ever. Mm. It's I, I mean I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like it goes like It's fantastic, and it happens twice in this film. It happens there, and it also happens when they're heading in towards that island at some point. Yeah, and the, the, any, the big uh, location reveals of the movie, because otherwise they're sort of just on the sea or yeah. on yeah. in Singapore, I guess. Tia is explaining that she can't bring Jack back to life the same way that she brought Babosa back to life in the previous film, because Jack is more than dead. He's being eternally punished in Davy Jones' locker, uh, because he died last movie, thanks to a kraken. Will shuffles some of the charts around. I really like the way that they did this, like, chart that the, everyone sort of squabbles over. Because it's a, it's sort of like a big spinning circle and then it's smaller uh, consecutive circles. Concentric and you, circles. Yeah, and, and you spin them around it. to figure out the correct yeah. alignment of the map. 
and we'll see later on it leads to several places and i just think that's really clever map design um, i don't really know how the map works but no not an idea <laughs> at all like it works because this is a movie if i had to look and use this map in real life i think i would be very angry and upset with the map <laughs> question but the way that they get to um i think i think it was i was really i was really impressed with how they got to the land of the dead and back mm-hmm. you know like i thought that was just like it's a really intuitive like creative but still intuitive yeah. solution you know um yeah it was cool it was cool yeah i think this like first sequence in this movie like this first part of the movie and then the last part of the movie really really work for me and then the kind of the middle is where it starts to lose me a little bit but like you said like getting to the land of the dead and how they get back out i think it, it, it I agree. It's really cleverly I handled. Agree. Yeah, I agree that the middle of part... Like, in your brain, like, I think about the film, and I know they go to get Jack back, mm-hmm. wings happen, and then they're fighting, and they decide yeah. to go and fight, you know. But <laughs> that's exactly. sort of how it looks in my head. <laughs> Trade yeah. over the objects, and then go fight, you know. Exactly. Uh, and, and Will, uh, to kind of, you know, get to the Land of the Dead, finds this phrase in the map, um, over the edge, over again, sunrise sets, flash of green... That's the sort of riddle that will guide them. He brings his findings to Barbosa and Gibbs, who know of this green flash. It's said to signal a soul coming back to this world from the dead. Uh, and they begin to sp- sail into a spooky crevasse upon learning this information and presumably going off to act on it. Meanwhile, we go back to the East India Company, who uh, take in the handiwork of Davy Jones and his spooky sunken pirate ship from earlier, Beckett grabs the chest with his heart in it, which is a big part of why he is working with the East India Company at all, uh, is that they have his heart in a chest, and if someone destroys the heart, he dies. Otherwise, he's basically an immortal squid man. That's the Davy Jones lore. (laughs) More will come up later. Uh, But that's sort of his whole deal. They have to... I think this is where they decide to do something about the governor, uh, Elizabeth's father, uh, because he's been asking too many questions. Yeah, it sort of blends together because they kind of break up some of the East India Company having discussion sections because they look very similar otherwise. (laughs) They do. There's a lot of Bickett standing in in an office, like, fiddling at something, and then someone walks in and he goes, Ah! Welcome! I have a deal for you! You know? He, almost every... I think... I, I started to notice it by, like, the fourth or fifth time it happened, but literally every single time he's on screen, except for the last one, he's drinking tea at a very elaborate tea set. Yeah. And regardless yeah. of where that tea set has been moved, because it's on the deck sometimes, sometimes it's in his office, he brings it it's with him. It's fantastic. I mean, like, you know, I was half <laughs> expecting, you know, the, the parlay later on, you know, when mm-hmm. they're all standing together and he's just sitting at his desk... Drinking the tea in the middle of the parlay. It's excellent. He approaches Jones's ship, the squid-faced man himself, playing melodramatic organ music as he stares wistfully into a heart-shaped locket. (laughs) I love this for him. I love the drama of it all. That's (laughs) the thing, though. This whole the whole series is like melodramatic in the best way. Yeah. You know, like they hype up the like Beckett is like the most hammed up like British aristocrat tea drinking east india trade <laughs> company person and it's it works though right it yeah so works. everyone's sort and of like, playing caricatures of the jobs that they have and the, it's the, working the pirates the caricatures they're all caricatures yeah. they're caricatures of caricatures you know like exactly the the, the 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 peg leg missing the eye the parrot on his <laughs> shoulder like yeah it's great uh, it's yes. great 
Um, I also sometimes I did have trouble telling apart the East India Company folks because they're all sort of similar looking white guys in wigs. Uh, but for the most part, the only one you need to really remember is Beckett Norrington and for a very brief moment, Elizabeth's father, who does have a different wig. So he's pretty it's easy. To true. Spot. You can tell he's different because he's got a different wig. Mm hmm. East India Company boards the uh, Flying Dutchman and present Davy with the chest. Uh, he does not want that thing on his ship, but the company insists, as it's sort of the only way to ensure that he stays in their control um, and does what they want. And then we return to the Pearl, the other ship that's off doing things, because again, there are only two important ships in this entire pirate <laughs> movie. I guess it's not the Pearl. It's the ship that will be replaced by the Pearl shortly. <laughs> Oh, the, the discount pearl. Discount pearl. Pearl light. Um, <laughs> they're sailing through what looks like stars, but it's just a really clear ocean. And uh, Will approaches Elizabeth, as we all are, I'm sure, familiar. They're in love. They're the big romantic couple of these movies. He asks how long they'll continue to not talk, since it seems they've hit a bit of a rough patch. Uh, and he watches as the smoke around them clears for a moment. Uh, and he sees that something is coming in the distance. Before he can sound an alarm, Tia is there to ominously warn him of a cost that must be paid for what they want most, which is sort of Tia's shtick for most of this movie until she gets a big little character turn in the last third. Oh yeah, Tia's whole be as as little help as possible at all times. <laughs> as like... little help as possible. Oh, uh, no, She knows she's... so much and yet so yeah. does so little. <laughs> She is the, she's got the kind of, she, uh, there's got to be a name for this, the Dumbledore effect or something, right? Mm, Where it's like the character yeah. who is immensely powerful or has a lot of knowledge, but like refuses to share it or use it for like vague, you must do this yourself reasons, you know? Yeah, and they sort of give her a little bit more justification for why she might not be so helpful in the last little bit of the movie, because they reveal that she is in fact quite powerful in a different direction. Yeah, and also hates all of them. All like, of them, yeah. All Which of explains them. it retroactively, but yeah. in the beginning yeah. you're like, I don't understand why she's being so vague and unhelpful at times. But don't worry, don't worry audience, we'll get there, I promise, we're working on it. I'm sorry if I'm giving spoilers. <laughs> I, the whole podcast to, is just to the, the plot of the movie. So. Film <laughs> we did an episode on The Batman, which came out this year. I feel like we can justify providing some spoilers for a movie that came out in 2007 and ended a series, as we all know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, true. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nothing else came afterwards. Absolutely. Uh, Will rushes to Barbosa to warn him of, of what he spotted ahead. It's the edge of the world, because remember what this movie is titled? <laughs> At World's We're End. We're good and lost now! <laughs> yeah, we get some Aye, That's right! <laughs> excellent Barbosa acting in this moment he's just like he looks fully crazy and he, it's uh, I could watch him act like this for hours um, oh and the character assess oh no I can't even bring that up okay so hypothetically it's just mm -hmm. snipping this in a hypothetical world where there were two other hypothetical um, parts of the Caribbean films Barbarossa right. would be hypothetically be um, would be hypothetically character assassinated because if mm. you didn't know, he goes on and becomes a a member of like the British Empire. Like, he uh, goes and becomes yes, a lord. Yes. Terrible, terrible. How dare they? Frankly, how dare they? It's a good thing that never happened. Yeah, it's I good mean, thing that can that you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine how awful that would be? Just the worst. Uh, and he, he holds the ship steady. He keeps them edge, uh, heading straight for the edge of the world. Um, everyone around him is trying to stop the ship from going over the edge, but it's to no avail, and they plummet into the darkness. 
and from there we go to Davy Jones' locker, where a nose enters from the side of the screen. Who could be sniffing? It's Jack Sparrow, enjoying a single peanut, or trying to, before he is shot by himself. He's on a whole ship, the Black Pearl, of course, because again, there are two named ships in this entire movie. And it's all, all crewed by just versions of him. It's just him, himself, and he. Also, they didn't film this by him acting out all these roles. They were all other people who they then hmm. plaster the face of Johnny English onto. Of Johnny English. <laughs> How did I even get to that name? You jumped so far. It's not even the same genre of movie. It's like the only thing it's got in com- common is the, na- the, the letter J. J. Like, uh, uh, and the, <laughs> um, Given. It, <laughs> yeah. Oh, given I, I know yeah. that's not related. That was an even worse thought. I, my oh, brain, no. my brain, momently, momentarily disconnected and said that that um, Rowan Atkinson played Jack Sparrow, and no. then very quickly course corrected. But they caused that. But that, that was why. That is why. If you if you actually watch the people in the background, it's kind of like they're like a little bit off. They're not quite as good at, as um, Johnny Depp at acting Jack Sparrow. Anyways, there you go. Yeah. Little little tidbit. Yeah, and I feel like since he's appeared here in the movie, a good time to put the disclaimer out. I know there has been a lot of uh, controversy with Johnny Depp recently. I do not feel educated enough in the whole Amber Heard trial situation to comment on it. Uh, we're just going to be looking at his performance in this movie uh, as a performance. Celebrity news otherwise is questionable at best. Please listen to Abuse Survivors. And with that disclaimer out of the way... Captain Jack Sparrow and all the other Captain Jack Sparrows are sailing, or so it seems. Uh, eventually, we do a cool little spinny around shot, and all the other Jacks on the ship disappear, and it's only the real one. And as we pull out, we reveal that he hasn't moved at all because the ship is completely beached in the desert of some kind. <laughs> yeah, and then we get crabs. Yeah, he thro- he, yeah, he finds a rock and he throws it. Uh, but then the rock shows up close to him, and I already love that. I'm like, great rock stuff. Um, but then when he throws it again, it becomes a crab and scuttles off. <laughs> and I love just the randomness of this entire sequence. Yeah. Although it is quite, it... it's very slow in some sense. Yeah, it takes a, it's a slow burn. They're like, ooh, what's happening? Uh, and I like how they play it that he seems to not really be particularly phased by anything because presumably he's been here being mind melded by Davy Jones's locker for a while. But he picks up a rope and tries to pull the ship, uh, not getting any sort of ground as the crab watches from afar. And eventually more rocks appear. But actually, it's more crabs, and all the crabs form a giant pile that moves the ship by the power of crab, um, shocking Jack as he watches in confusion before he begins to the follow the ship along. <laughs> That's what it is! It's crab I think power. we later learn you know. it's like maybe implied to be Calypso's doing, but it's, it's a bunch of crabs, and they, they will carry the ship to the sea on which it sails. It's true. You know, you've got wind power, uh, hydropower... You know, tidal power and also um, crab power crab now. Power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the first time I've had a conversation about crab power this week, and I'm trying to rem- remember what the other time was and in what context. I don't know how you end up in a conversation about crab power without the specific. <laughs> well, it's context. sort of like there's that. You know what? It you know there's that evolutionary idea of like everything is evolving to crab. Oh, everything's it's just a for crab. All conversations end in crab power. I think it's like a <laughs> carcinification or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy. Someone who's better at animals will know the answer to this. But... 
Meanwhile, the Barbosa and crew wash up on the shore of this blank desert. They seem sure that Jack is here, Tia agreeing with them, which means they're probably right. And as they sort of begin to doubt, the ship moving again via crab uh, appears over the crest of a nearby dune uh, with Jack on it and breaches into the sea thanks to the crabs who all, I assume, scuttle off to do other Davy Jones locker crab stuff. Rich and interesting characters gone I, too soon. <laughs> lots lots of stuff to do in the crab world, I'm sure. Like, there's a whole narrative where we need Pirates of the Caribbean at Crab's End, you know. <laughs> Pirates I would of pay the cra- so Crabbean. Pirates I of would the pay so much real money for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, Are you kidding me? That sounds perfect. <laughs> Dead Man's Crab. You know, Curse of the... Dead Man's of Dip. The, yeah. <laughs> be great uh, anyways we shall continue because we're only yes. barely a third of the way through oh, this film jack seems a little bit like he he plays off his surprise by kind of quipping with gibbs a bit about how there's no discipline on his ship when gibbs reminds him that he's in davy jones locker and it, it, it quickly realized that jack seems to think that they're not really in davy jones locker until elizabeth herself pops up to confirm that they're really real and that they're here to rescue him they sort of rehash the plot of the movie uh, and eventually convince jack to sail off with them in the process, he reveals that Elizabeth is the only one who has successfully killed him out of all the people around who have tried uh, because she left him to the Kraken in the previous film. Yes, I do love that line. He goes, what does he say? He says, like, um, he says, something, something, something. Four of you tried to kill me. Like, and one, one of you succeeded. succeeded. I can't remember <laughs> what the line is, but I, I really like that, that yeah. moment. Uh, the, the other thing about this film that I think is rightly criticized, though, is mm-hmm. why Elizabeth... The whole, like, does is Elizabeth actually into Jack thing just yeah. does not work ever. No. Like, there's a line at the end where he's like, we could have worked, and it's like, no, no one ever bought, bought that this was ever a possibility <laughs> in any world. Like this, Orlando <laughs> Bloom showed up, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, no, this is, this this is so much better. This yeah, works. Exactly. Will and Elizabeth have so much chemistry that it is comical to you like look sure jack and elizabeth get along but it's there's nothing on the red hot chemistry between will and elizabeth but it's also like the whole um it it does have that sort of manufactured drama of characters holding things back like it's sort of like oh you wanted to not tell elizabeth because what you're bitter like that's kind of it and it feels like either a weak justification or like a bad justification um, or mm-hmm. just a frustrating one, you know? And same with Elizabeth. Like, oh, why did Jack die? I was like, well, we had to die, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess I got him killed, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like that would have been... They sh- I, don't, I don't buy the reasons they weren't talking, necessarily. Yeah, it does sort of just feel like contrived character drama for the sake of, like, drawing out. Again, the middle of this movie is a lot of people trading information and items, and it kind of drags a little bit. And part of what they're trading at times is Will and Elizabeth are trading who's lying to who and who's holding what back. So, like, it, I understand part of what of what might lead to this decision, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I think it was a good decision for the plot. I think it would have been yeah. more enjoyable to have Will and Elizabeth maybe wrestling with the fact that Will is still gung-ho about becoming the new Davy Jones of the Dutchman to save his father. They, like, that's, that means leaving better, Elizabeth. Right? It's like, he's already just like, still you're in going the movie. To, you're going to leave yeah. me to go and become exactly. the thing? And that also more naturally leads into the climax to come, right? You know? Right. 
you don't you don't have to change a lot of Will's actions in the movie because the motivation is largely still the same. It just means that Will and Elizabeth get to actually interact more before the final third of the movie. But I guess yeah. we can't all have good things, I suppose. <laughs> no. Yeah, Jack, uh, as they're going to leave, it tends to leave Barbosa and all the other key characters behind. But since they have the maps, uh, everyone gets to come aboard the portal and they all sail out to get off of into the great world of living. Um, they have a recurring bit where Jack and Barbosa will butt heads over who is the captain of the Pearl in any given moment, which is always kind of fun to watch, the two <laughs> the, of them. The, the, the spyglass. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And then he comes back at the end, <laughs> and I'll the film with a mess. Longer spyglass. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Those, again, like, they're both doing such a good job as playing the characters that they're playing that anytime the two of them get to just interact and do, like, dick measuring yeah. contest basically it, it's fun to watch play this that, is where... play that, play that. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh this is where will approaches elizabeth uh, confronting her about leaving jack to the kraken and he mostly seems butthurt that she didn't tell him because she he thought she had a crush on jack which again no one no outside one of the world of this movie <laughs> believes they have trust issues to work out i guess uh, the Pearl sails through waters, teeming with floating souls, as two crewmen wonder what would happen if they dropped a cannonball on them. Uh, and before they can do so, they're glared at by Tia, who laments that these souls are not currently in the care of Davy Jones, as is his duty. And we get a reminder that the duty of Ju- Davy Jones, before he became all squid-like, was to spend ten years ferrying souls to- that died at sea to the afterlife. And then he gets one day on shore after those ten years, but he reneged on his deal or what have you, and that's why he's all now. I've got to admit, not a, like very few perks for the job yeah. required. Like <laughs> you know, like you get to sail the seas eternally. Um, you live forever, but you can only go on land one day every ten years. Yeah, and you have to spend the, those ten years ferrying the souls into the locker. So unclear about how much actual freedom sailing the seas you really get. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's not, you're free. You're free to work for me forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what it feels like. I guess. And, and, like, we'll see later on that one day, you put a lot of hopes into it, and you if it doesn't go how you want. That, yeah, I know. Can you imagine? You very easy to become a squid man. We'll see. I, very easy. Very, <laughs> I kind of like, buy, you know what? I get with it. all these squid men, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess we're all squid men now. He wasn't always a tentacle monster. Uh, and she holds a locket that matches Davy Jones. <gasps> Could she be the, the the woman that holds his heart? There's only two women in the series that we've seen thus far that are, like, significantly named, so I'm going to go with yeah. Oh, true. I Honestly, <laughs> that didn't even Dia. occur to me. <laughs> We'll see some female pirates later on, which is fun. Um, but they're not named in the movie uh, until I think, unless you like go through the credits. And nope. I think they're based on actual is historical Madam, figures. Madam Kwong. is it? Oh, that's Madam, true. Madam. So, Madam Ching. Madam Ching. Uh, yeah, I think so. So there's a famous. Um, yeah, I do remember this. this uh, famous. Jungi Sal is a famous Chinese pirate. Um, who was a woman and is very, very cool. Uh, and I have to assume is vaguely who they were basing this woman out of, but they named her something completely Mistress different. Mistress Ching. Yeah. There we go. So, That's the character. I mean, she doesn't even get a fit in the first name. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> Davy Jones was secretly in love with her and, and the whole Tia plot line, which yeah. is a red herring. <laughs> we'll exactly. See. It's all a red herring for <laughs> Mistress Ching. She's the real mastermind behind it all. This is also when they see more souls sailing by in boats because some souls have to float under the water like little ghost squids and some get to ride in single-person boats. Oh, and you know why this is? You know why Why? this is? 
Because this is also the scene where Elizabeth has her final conversation with her father. Mm -hmm. And it would have been freaking hilarious if he's floating (laughs) on his back... Underwater, like talking up with her from the from the surface of the water. It's on not his back. that much better that he's sort of just like sitting, like with his knees up in a dinghy. Honestly, <laughs> but yeah, they see. But can you they imagine if he was floating man. on his back on the surface of the water and was just like, "Dad, Dad," and he's like, "I'm fine, dear." Like, yes, <laughs> I'm just letting the waters take me, dear. It's okay. That's not what he sounds like. But that's what oh. he sounds like in my mind. Yeah, but he's sitting in a little dinghy, sailing back, and she's like, oh, we've made it back to the world of the living, haven't we? It's my dad. But everyone's like, ooh, we have not. That means that he is a dead man. He explains to her uh, by yelling up to the top of the ship that he saw a chest with a heart in it and that he learned if you stab it, you, yours takes its place, as the Dutchmen must have a captain. Exposition. And this particular bit of lore. Exposition. Exposition. It's so unnecessary. It gets repeated to us constantly in this movie. Yeah, but every you know what else goddamn is funny, scene, <laughs> like every scene, like, and also like you could have had Tia Dama say it. Like that'd be yes. fine. Yes, she just lore dumped about him, lore, the same man, like twenty dump. seconds ago. Exactly. <laughs> add a sentence to that informational but you know what's dump, even and you're funnier, done. Though, because <laughs> Elizabeth, she says in this scene, she says, "Oh, we must be back at the land of the living," and she's looking out, and there's hundreds of boats with like single lanterns and a ton of people all floating, and she's you know, thinking, she "Yes, doesn't want to leave her this dad." This is very dead. much in, in the denial. land of the living. <laughs> Like, what does she think is happening here? Are they all going to, like, the Chinese Lantern Festival or something? You know? <laughs> like... They're, they were in Singapore very recently, so I guess... It's, close it's enough. <laughs> I guess sailing up to the Arctic, <laughs> the, the transition time back is much quicker uh, than we know uh, is going there. <laughs> um, she tries to get her dad to come aboard, but he refuses, and she's instead left to be sad as everyone holds her back from jumping off the boat and being stuck in the land of the dead forever. They continue to sail until the ship has run out of water and rum, and the crew is lamenting their dwindling hope of returning to the land of the living, as their captain seems to be taking no action in any particular direction. Jack uh, Sparrow is messing with the map, however, and in circling the circles some more, reveals that they actually had the phrase slightly wrong, uh, and he reveals the phrase up is down, which as he ponders this, um, a good Jack and an evil Jack pop up on his shoulders uh, to debate stabbing Davy Jones's heart and becoming the new captain of the Dutchman and living forever and sailing the seas. So Jack is is going to have a choice. Actually, <laughs> the little oh, like, good, like good Jack and bad Jack. Yeah, on the shoulder. I don't like the angel and demon on someone's shoulder. Like it just doesn't work well, even in comedy films for me. It just looks weird. I don't know why. Yeah, I think they wanted to keep the other Jacks appearing to Jack thing going because they'll have more of them later on. That's true. They need they need to remind us that it's. Not just in the David Jones locker. Yeah, I wish they'd done it more frequently, though. Like, I wish... Because they're still in Davy Jones' locker at this point, and then he sort of won't see them again until the very end. And I wish that they had either kept it going much more to be like, here's more indication that Jack is maybe a little... Or um, they had just stopped oh, it altogether. Didn't, we didn't think that before. Yeah, because he, well, he was in Davy Jones' locker. It could have been part of his, like, eternal torment or what have you. Um <laughs> You know, having to have moral quandaries acted out by himself. But his his big motivation is going to be that he, he thinks it's a good idea to become the new Davy Jones and sail the oceans forever. 
uh, and several characters will try to convince him otherwise, and eventually we will see what choice he makes. Eventually, though, in the process of this, he has a realization about uh, how they actually need to get to the world of the living from the up-is-down clue, uh, and he starts running from side to side of the ship, saying that he's spotting something, people following him, and eventually the whole crew in Barbosa realize what he's doing. He's trying to flip the ship, and everyone begins to help all at once, and I really like how clever this uh, way to get out of the Land of the Dead was. It's a very, up it's is very down. nice scene. I like it. Yeah. A poor guy, the one guy that falls down and gets crushed <laughs> by a cannon. <laughs> Poor dude. There's always like one unnamed crewman in the background yeah. of every scene who just gets got. In the got. last instant, his, <laughs> his shirt turns red. You know? oh. Yeah, they, they run from side to side. They unscrew all the cannons. Everything's rolling around like crazy. Eventually, they flip the ship and they're all underwater holding their breath. There's a moment where it looks like Will might get dragged to the land of the dead because he like loses his grip, but he manages to hold on. And as the sun sets, there's a flash of green and the ship rises above the water back how it should be and just much, much damper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then we get another great Another scene. great scene. Another as great scene. As soon as they get back to the land of the living, Elizabeth, Will, Barbosa, Jack, and Gibbs all pull guns on each other and have themselves a little, like, six-way standoff. Oh, and um, Jack pulls a gun on Elizabeth, and she looks at him like, why are you pulling a gun on me? After she just murdered him. <laughs> murdered him in the last movie. <laughs> They all have a moment of, like, laughing about the fact that they all immediately pulled guns on each other uh, and then immediately return to their standoff to debate their next moves. Um, everyone except for Jack wants and needs Jack to go to the Brethren's Gathering because he has one of the pieces of eight. Jack is like, I don't want to do that. And he goes to fire on Barbosa, but all of their guns are so waterlogged that no one's weapons work, all the powder's too wet, and I guess they'll just have to work together until they can find some items. <laughs> Gibbs, ever the hopeful one. <laughs> Uh, that was that was the other oh, it was guy. The one eye that patch. looks like an egg. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, there, the, there's like the tall guy and the short guy who are like comedic partners in the background of most scenes, and one of them has a wooden eye, and one of them is just short. Um, and they're they they're kind of the like trope of like the tall and and thin and like short and round comedic duo that you see in animation a lot, but in real life. It's it's interesting though. You see that Jack was literally willing to just straight up kill Barbosa. Oh like, yeah. No hesitation. It's it's interesting, because, I don't know, it, it felt a little bit like... I don't know, it didn't feel like a reading that I took from his character. Like, he's never been a cold-hearted killer in the series. Mm -hmm. Ever, really, as far as, I'm, as far as I'm aware. And it's like, I get that they are at odds with each other, but that's never meant he's tried to, like, kill someone, you know? Yeah, it does feel a little bit like they were like, well, we can't have any of these characters working together for even five minutes because then we would have to get to skip the middle part of this entire movie. So <laughs> I guess we'll make them all be at odds with each other. And that kind of it's it's the most I feel like out of character for Jack. Will and Barbosa, I buy it for a little bit. Even Elizabeth, I'm like, well, I guess now because of time skipping this, yeah, you, I can, can see why you'd be willing it. to. I don't but... know. I, I know that they had to have someone pull the trigger for the joke to work. Yeah. But I so don't know why it had to be Jack. Yeah. Yeah. You'd almost be better to have, like, the crewmen all draw guns on the people as well, on one of them. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> nope. So they set about finding somewhere to restock, and Barbosa and Jack continue to argue over command of their ship. This is where we get Barbosa pulling out uh, his telescope, and it's much larger than Jack's, and Jack is sad about that, but don't worry, he'll rectify it later. They argue over who's going to go ashore when they finally make land, and Will tells both of them to go ashore and to leave the ship in his command. So they make landfall near the corpse of a massive cephalopod, and Jack stares into its eye thoughtfully, like, one of you killed me once. 
<laughs> I love how you clarify it's a cephalopod. That's what they say in the movie, the exact, because I they couldn't do. tell at first. They I was do. like, is that an elephant? What am I looking at? And then someone's like, it's a giant cephalopod. And I was like, great. I'm glad that we got that out of the way. It's the Kraken. Yes. <laughs> Which. Squid. I didn't know that when I saw it originally. <laughs> I don't know why I never connected the dots when I first saw it. But, um, yeah, no. I think, I always felt a little bit sad. I was like, oh, this wasn't on Kraken's fault. Like, Yeah, he was just doing Kraken things, you know? What's a Kraken meant to do, you know? Yeah, tell a chicken not to lay eggs for to tell a Kraken not to destroy ships. You painted the Kraken on the map. You got to deal with the fact that the Kraken was where you painted it on the map, man. Exactly. And the Kraken goes where you paint it on the map. That's how Krakens work, as we all are familiar with. That's the rule of the Kraken. This Barbosa once again is like prodding Jack for his decisions to run away, and Jack seems to be somewhat like coming around to the idea that they need to summon all the brethren for the court. Uh, and they march through the jungle until they find water, uh, but it's poisoned by a dead body inside of it. It's one of the guys from Singapore. And as they realize this, they uh, see that they've got company as the Singaporean crew turns on them, capturing the pearl and the captains at gunpoint. Sal Fung is back in the movie, baby. He punches Jack to make sure that we're all aware that he has made More his reemergence. So many... They're like, hey, you know that character who was in the opening scene? He's back! Will demands the release of Elizabeth as she was not part of their bargain. Remember when him and Sal Fung had their little parlay in the middle of that fight? And the rest of the crew learn in this moment that Will is a mutineer. He's the captain now, and he needs the Pearl to free his father for, again, unexplained Pearl-needing reasons, because everyone needs the ship. Everyone needs the ship. And, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. Sal Fung just wants it. He's just like... (laughs) just like... It's a cool boat. It's called the Black Pearl. It had that whole curse it, on it and it, everything. It's exactly. <laughs> it feels like it feels like at this point, you know, like okay, Will wants it to be able to defeat the Flying Dutchman. All right, fine. I I, I can get behind that. You know, Jack wants it because it's the Black Pearl. Bobo is because the Black Pearl is the boat's two ships. But South Bang's just like throwing his card in as well, yeah, just for the sake like, of it. I guess since I'm also an important pirate captain, I too will desire the ship. <laughs> it's like you have yeah. boats, many of them, in <laughs> fact. I assume some of them even have names. <laughs> What are you doing, man? Exactly. Oh, man. Um, Jack only seems sad that his crew seemed to genuinely miss him, uh, which I thought was a nice little touch. He's like, yeah, he does care about his crew. You know, he's not totally irredeemable. Sal Fung's like, oh, but actually, there's an old friend who wants to see you. And then he leads the ship to the East India Company, where Beckett is there to monologue at him some more. Jack is then brought up to speed with the current state of the Flying Dutchman, and that means that we, the audience, also must re-experience everything that we have seen up until now via a verbal sparring match. Uh, Beckett explains that the heart is aboard the Dutchman to Jack, and that means that he is unavailable to settle Jack's debt. Um, He asks what were to happen if Davy Jones were to learn that Jack Sparrow lived. Uh, While this is happening, we're kind of cross-cutting between this exchange going on on the East India Company ship and Sal Fung and Will and Barbosa, you know, swapping insults on the Pearl. Um, Sal Fung betrays Will in this moment and allows the East India Company to place men on the Pearl. And the company proposes that Jack provide information on the Brethren Court in exchange for his freedom. Uh, Sal Fung is salty because he thought he was going to get the pearl when he made this deal with the East India Company. <laughs> Sal so t- brief, like, <laughs> brief desire moment. for the pearl just shut down. <laughs> also, there's a really interesting detail in... Is this the same where Jack and Beckett talk, or is that later? No, this is now. It's like cross-cut between this and the pearl getting... So Jack and Beckett hands. are talking at the moment. They are talking, in, yeah. Yeah. So there's an interesting detail in this scene where it's implied 
that Jack was once working for the East India Trading Company hmm. and then betrayed it by freeing slaves. Ah. That He picks up the brand from the fire and he goes, you know, like, um, some people are still aren't free or something like that. And you see the, the brand on his wrist and it's implied that I think he, he, he broke away from the East India Trading Company by, by freeing slaves. Which, again... Keys into the whole the pirates are about human rights idea that has, is, is threaded oh, wow. throughout the film. It actually did make a reappearance in the film. It does make a reappearance. Good catch, because yep. that makes the beginning slightly more relevant <laughs> to the actual plot of the movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. So they're really completing their little betrayal combo meal uh, by Salfong getting salty at the East India Company. Uh, for not giving up a ship that uh, the reason they justified he's like i want the pearl because it's the only ship that can outrun the dutchman which we'll see is not actually technically true but i guess by reputation kind of is um yeah barbosa berates Salfung for changing sides and says that the brethren still have one more trick up their sleeves calypso Ooh, who could that be Ooh. Ooh. Um, Salfung seems unimpressed by that particular old legend, but Barbosa needs the Brethren Court to release the goddess, so he's really insistent that they get the whole gang together. Jack decides to let the company keep Will, Barbosa, and their two goons, while he and the rest of his crew will lead them to the cove where the Brethren are meeting aboard the Pearl. Barnett sort of asks, well, what of Miss Swan? Because as we all know, Elizabeth Swan is a very valuable bargaining chip in all of these deals. This is At this uh, point, why? Yeah, right? Because it's not really implied that Barnett's got, like, the hots for her or anything. He's sort of just there. Actually, and she's... at this point, like, Elizabeth is just a, an heiress to a, a state that has been seized. Yeah, and her dad's dead at this point. Her dad's all dead, right? Know she can't it. be used as blackmail. I guess, like, Norrington the uh, Admiral still likes her a lot, but Beckett seems able to do pretty much whatever he wants, irrespective of the Admiral irrespective anyway. Irrespective of Norrington? Yeah. So... I'm not quite sure I got why he cared so much about Elizabeth. It felt maybe like they were trying to be like, a whoa, Jack, don't you care about her so much? But I didn't quite get that coming across super clearly in this scene. Yes. Yeah. So as they're striking their deal, Barbosa and Salfong are outside striking their deal, and Salfong wanting Elizabeth is part of it. So I guess maybe it was to just draw a parallel to be like, look, everyone wants Elizabeth. Who's going to get to take her with them? And I'm like, come on, man. You know, she's going to do what she wants. That's Kira Knightley. You can't stop her from doing stuff. Will tries to stand up for her, but she agrees to go with Salfong if that's what will get them out of this mess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to split Lots up more trading. Lots more, more. So more much trading, more trading. So much trading. <laughs> if you thought exactly. the trading was done, it's not, because Barnett's it's now going to open up the co the compass as an option for trading. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I have this compass that points to whatever I want the most. And he's like, why don't I just use this to get to the Pirate's Cove? But Jack's like, you can't use that, because what you want most is me dead, so it's always just going to point to me, like, so you still need me I to lead you to the you cove. Now? Oh my god, there's so many objects and they all change hands and some of them are Elizabeth. It's too much. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, yeah, they're, they're ships and they're people and they're objects. I, I, I feel like we could just, you know, this, the, the whole film is just bartering the, the film, bartering yeah. the movie. <laughs> it's a really big, just like trading game. It's a trading e card game of pirates. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
Jack offers to be an inside man for the East India Trading Company, striking his deal with Barnett as Sal Fung launches his attack on the company because he has successfully struck in his deal with Barbosa. So everything is coming to a head now. Barbosa retakes the pearl from the company. Jack launches himself via rope over to the pearl. Or is this when he shoots himself with like a cannon and it fires and it shoots him That's... like in the air over to the pearl? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that is at the end. With the little figure as well. Yeah. <laughs> Little, Where did he get that act. from? <laughs> well, because we see him playing with... We see Beckett playing with, um, like, a, a map of, of the units, right? Mm. The map of all of his little army units. Which, by the way, little admiral. I'm pretty so sure <laughs> is, like, land units, not a navy. I don't know off the top of my head, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. know enough about military history to be like, they would not have done that. But it, it makes more sense I, to me for... I don't know. Like, I guess keeping a locate, rough location of the ships is important, but I don't know how you get accurate updates on that if you're also at sea, you know? Flags. Shouting really loudly. <laughs> we're over here! <laughs> you can't see us, so we're clearly within shouting range. <laughs> yeah. No, the, what they'll do is all the Navy ships have, like, cans with the strings. <laughs> really like, long cross, strings. Really long strings. Every once in a while, like, a different ship will accidentally sail over the string and set yeah. it, and, like, a ship will get isolated. <laughs> the cane like, system oh, is no, working, we've lost, Captain. We've lost can number 43. <laughs> Oh, I love that. So Barnett sends the Dutchman after Sal Fung, who is now making his escape on his unnamed, unimportant ship, uh, along with Elizabeth. And uh, he decides to personally pursue the Pearl uh, once they've gotten his ship repaired. So they're following along with him as well. And the Pearl crew sends Will to the brig to do brig stuff. On Sal Fung's ship, Elizabeth, <laughs> you know, be imprisoned, I guess. <laughs> go be imprisoned. Off you go. We don't really see him in the brig, and he's out of it very quickly, so I feel like that's yeah. an appropriate summary of what happens. There's a lot of people going into the brigs and being constantly, out of the brigs. Constantly, they are sending main characters to the brig, and almost immediately are they escaping, and only once <laughs> do we ever see that happen in real time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Sal Fung's ship, Elizabeth gets a costume change. Uh, she has some pretty sick costumes for the last third of this movie. I gotta. It's Kira true. Knightley when she really gets has into her final looks. costume, it's pretty damn yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, Sal Fung seems to be under the impression that Elizabeth is Calypso, which, to be fair, he had a 50-50 shot of guessing correctly yeah. based on the amount of women in this movie, and I can't, I can't fault him for having taken it's one true. wrong stab in the dark. Yeah, and and um and 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 I love like the the backtracking of you know like well I, I, hey I. I would never have bound you. Just so yeah. you know, I would never have bound you. We're totally That's cool, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm one of the cool pirates. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I love this little moment. Like, um, Elizabeth kind of plays into that idea. Of he's like, she oh yeah, up, I right? am she goes, Calypso. Like, what would exactly. you do? And she plays up that persona a little bit. Um, yeah. But eventually, Sal Fung gets, like, weirdly sexual about it and tries to kiss her, and she... Yeah. Yeah. Which is played... It's played... It would have been better if they just didn't have that, and then he dies. Yeah, because he dies immediately after getting pushed off. Like, she's like, no! And she pushes him back, and then the attack by the Dutchman starts. So a cannonball skewers him with a piece of wood, and he almost immediately dies. Yeah, he just... What was the point? No, you know what that is? That's, like, instant karma. Like, there wasn't even a cannon outside. It was just... It just the cannibal from nowhere. Yep. 
As he's dying, he gives Elizabeth his piece of eight and makes her the captain of his ship, sending her to Shipwreck Cove in his stead as he dies. So don't worry, we don't need to go back to Davy Jones' locker and get another captain back from the dead. This one has followed pirate law and passed his succession along to the yeah. only other person who Which, was Which, by the room. way, nobody saw. So that means Not a that- one! <laughs> no one, no one saw. So you could just kill one of the pirate lords and be like, I'm the captain now. And yeah. then everyone would be like, all right then, you know? I guess this is fine. Although they do initially reject it. Yeah, his crew is like, no way, are you the captain? Uh, but as soon as uh, the admiral who was on Davy Jones's ship shows up to be like, who's the captain? They all immediately like, oh, this chick. Yeah. Um, But luckily, she knows the Admiral. In fact, they are good friends, one could say. Or at least he is still got the hots for her. Um, So she's, you know, taken on to the waiting uh, brig of Davy Jones's ship. Norrington, the Admiral, is unaware that her father is dead, although Kira Knightley is pissed about that. Uh, And when... Uh, and, but because he's fond of her, that's why her and her crew all get put in the brig instead of being immediately killed by Davy Jones, uh, because Davy Jones is asking for the captain. In the brig, Elizabeth tries to call out to Bootstrap, who is Will's father and one of the fishermen. Uh, and although she originally yells outside of her cell, eventually emerging from the barnacled walls is his father, covered in barnacles himself. What um, is left of him? Yes, whatever remains... You know, one of the crew, one with the ship, as they will chant at us later on. Yeah. Um, It's Will's dad, though, and he's thrilled that his son is alive and wants to help him, uh, but he recognizes Elizabeth from Will's descriptions and says that Will can't save him because of her, uh, since he who slays Jones must become the Dutchman's captain and Will would lose Elizabeth if he saves his father. What a compelling character arc that that could have... And it's fantastic because, you know, like, we never got that information communicated before, right? Like, that... Right, yeah. yeah it's great that they gave it this This is the now. first time that we're learning that whoever, you know, <laughs> stabs the heart of Davy Jones must then become the captain of the ship. both times, it's in, like, the one scene that the other... That these side characters get that they're just dropped in and then they have to give a bit of exposition. And it's the same exposition. They could have completely cut Tia saying that earlier and it played it for the first time in the scene and it would have had the exact, like, it would have been fine. Like, I don't think anyone would have been like, I don't understand the conflict. I think we all would have been like, yeah, you've said it to us very explicitly now, thanks to this barnacle yep. fish man. <laughs> <laughs> Will's father tells her to tell Will to stay away and then returns to his little hole in the wall, closes his eyes for a moment and then opens them once more, repeating his earlier conversation, seeming having to forgotten that they just spoke uh, moments earlier. Clearly, being on this ship has done something to his mind. Off on the sea, the company ship pulls in a barrel with a dead man tied to it and seeing another of these trail markers in the distance, decide to follow the breadcrumbs being left out by the Pirates of the Pearl, uh, assuming that it will lead them to the cove, which to be fair, they are 100% correct. Will has escaped the brig in the downtime and is setting about launching another one of said barrels with the dead man attached to it when Jack calls out to him from the night and berates him for leading Beckett to Shipwreck Cove through the sparrow plan of his. Will kind of wrestles with his quest to free his father, uh, pulling him from Elizabeth. And when Jack proposes his solution, let Jack kill Jones and become the new leader of the Dutchman, 
Will reminds him of the responsibility that Jones has of ferrying souls, that it's not just free sailing and pillaging. Um, but Jack sort of brushes all that off and hands him the compass that he got from Beckett before spooking him over the edge of the ship with only a barrel and a dead man to cling to. So Will is off floating in the sea as left as a gift for the following East India Company to pick up along with the compass, which will lead Beckett to Jack and by extension, Pirate's so Cove. So more object barrels? trading is happening. <laughs> How, <laughs> more people and object trade. More like, people and objects. It's the same object too. Beckett just had it. Why didn't Beckett hold on to the compass and just have Jack sail so that he would still be following Jack to the coast? That's true. Yeah. I, they it didn't need to, to trade me. Will also. There was no reason for this trade to be made in the first place. It's just <laughs> they need to make sure that like characters of you're not quite sure where every character is. Like, it's just Ah. confusing you. Also, how many barrels do you think the Black Pearl has that they can just chuck overboard? That's true. They gotta have a lot of them in there. I mean, if if they just restocked, they might have a lot of rum. So if you base it on the rate at which they're consuming that rum, maybe they're okay. Uh, Luckily, they get interrupted partway through this plan, so they don't actually go through all the barrels. So you don't quite know how many will manage to go overboard with before time was out. I'm more concerned about the dead men he was tying to said barrels. Because where were they coming from? Are they just uh, other pirates on the Pearl? Yeah, that's true. Did they just like, not the, clean the, the company men bodies gone. off from the previous, you know, combat? What are they doing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we finally get to Cove, right? We finally get to Shipwreck Cove. Oh, no, there's there's still more trading to be done before oh, we can get to Oh, there's still more trading to be made. I... <laughs> so, uh... Norrington comes to get Elizabeth and her crew from the brig and assist them in fleeing the Dutchman. That's Before right. she leaves, he warns her not to go to Shipwreck Cove, as Beckett already knows of the meeting of the Brethren. Um, but she's not really swayed by this, although her heart does thaw for a moment when he he you know makes a plea that he's like, "We I knew your dad. I know I didn't know your dad was killed, and you know maybe in another life we could have been happy together or whatever." Um, she asks him to come with them, but he instead sacrifices himself to cover her escape from the fishmen. Gets a little smooch, and as she they, he's kind of attached ropes from. Uh, one ship to the Dutchman, and they're all climbing along the ropes. He cuts the rope as she's midway across, and he gets killed by Will's dad uh, as a fishman who sounds the alarm. Why does he cut the rope? What does cutting the rope even do? I think it makes it so the fishmen can't follow as easily, but they're like fishmen. They rarely swim. But, but, I'm okay. pretty sure like the flying Dutchman can go underwater and like. Yeah, follow. I. <laughs> I don't. The know. movie logic but lets does them make have really escape. nice. He does have a really nice last moment where, like, Davy Jones is like, "What did you think you were doing?" And he goes, <laughs> and he stabs him in the in the in the chest. Yeah, he makes one last uh, attempt to defeat Davy Jones, uh, yeah. even though he knows it's to no avail. Um, it, it's interesting because he's like he's like a good guy trapped in a bad system. Yeah, you know? that's the sort of, and I like that sort of placement. I, I I like that that sort of thing, and it's also quite sad having the the dad like sabotage it. Yeah, they really, as soon as they've been like, we've established Will's dad as a member of this crew, every time there is something significant going on or a character that needs to be fought (laughs) by a member of this crew, it has to be Will. Because later on, like, I think Jack has to fight Will's dad. It's like a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like, well, we have this one other named Fishman, so I guess Bootstrap will do all of the (laughs) non-Davy Jones combat. Uh, But chaos breaks out on the Dutchman as the fish crew uh, wrestles with the company crew 
but since the company still has Davy Jones' heart cornered by two small handheld cannons on either side, they still remain in control of the ship, ultimately. Uh, and now we get to arrive at Shipwreck Island, which will soon transition into Shipwreck Cove as the Pearl 2 arrives there. Tia and Barbosa squabble a little bit about their deal as she reminds him that she brought him back from the into this world and she can take him out of it. Uh, but he gets the last word in by reminding her, who we now learn is Calypso, because Shocker, the only other named female character in this movie so far, is in fact who the, the famous witch. <laughs> the one who previously performed great feats of resurrecting the dead is actually a powerful witch. <laughs> <laughs> And he reminds her that she needs all nine pirate lords to be set free and sends her to the brig because, of course, uh, it's important that we are constantly sending a character to the brig. Someone must, you know, like on, on every, you know, it's always some someone, the Dutchman must have a captain and every other ship. It's just every, the brig, the brig must, must have, have a prisoner. Have a prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> Barnett meets up with Davy and Will, who they've fished up uh, from the sea via, via barrel. Uh, Will joins with the company, uh, aligning himself with that side and once again trading people and reveals that Jack is still alive, uh, which is information the company had not yet relayed to Davy Jones, who's not happy about it. Um. Uh, This is why they have to trade so much, because (laughs) so much information needs to be communicated between people in different places. That's my bed. And the standoff before the final battle also involves a trade. Like, that's this movie true, should have just true. been named Pirates of the Caribbean Trading Spaces. Because Trading that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Barnett also brings up Calypso, and it's revealed that the Brethren Court intend to release her information that we, the audience, also kind of already knew. Um, Davy's <laughs> not happy about that. Because, uh, you know, he's got some sort of history with Tia, who we you now I know is Calypso. wonder what it is. <laughs> Whoa! Will realizes Davy Jones had the hots for our old witch friend and that he betrayed her slash she betrayed him. Some betrayal happened. And that's why he cut his heart out in the first place. Uh, and Will demands Davy Jones free his father uh, and Barnett ensure both of their safety. Steep demands, especially since Will is no longer on the pearl to lead them to her and Calypso. But luckily, Will has the compass now so they can track Jack. That's so true. We can <laughs> trade in so many objects. <laughs> and for what? For what, people? <laughs> for uh, exposition drama. that we already knew. Couldn't we just assume Davy could, like, sense Calypso and get all this information that way? Surely he'd be able to be like, hmm, someone's escaped from the locker. This smells like Jack, you know? There's only like, one man who anyone would care about enough in that locker to release like to that. To go and get. Ah, oh, Dan's gone. <sighs> nope, we have to have it all very explicitly said to us. Um, but now we get to finally go to Shipwreck Cove. It's like a vertical Singapore set that I had earlier. It's cool, I kind of like it. Uh, it's like a pirate oh, fortress. Oh, I love the, the design of Shipwreck Cove. Like, this mountain within a mountain kind of thing. Yeah, you have the fact that they just, really like, kind cool. of never stopped building up. It's it's neat. It's very yeah, ramshackle and It's got ways. that very much, like, like rickety pirate-built yeah. look to it. It's really cool. And I the wish they had done a smidge more to make it look different from the Singapore set at the beginning. Because uh, yeah. Singapore kind of sprawls, but it roughly, like, looks like it's the same materials, but... It's still it's still a neat it's design, just, so I can't fault no, them to it too much. No, this is what you don't know. Like Shipwreck Cove's just around the corner. <laughs> like it's. Just... I mean, logistically, they had to be pretty close because cell phone got to them real fast. So I had yeah, to not true. be that They're far like, away. <laughs> you can look across the bay, and it's just Shipwreck Cove's like over Singapore. there. And they're like. <laughs> and what they're doing is like so that the East India Trading Company doesn't follow them there. They like they like go around the world to like yeah. try and lose them. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the pirates all gather, and Barbosa convenes the fourth ever meeting of the Brethren Court. Um, they all present their pieces of eight to prove their titles, and everyone starts pulling out like pieces of junk, which uh, confuses our two comedic relief pieces of duo. whatever we happened to have our pockets at the time. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, when the first like uh, council met, they didn't, they weren't flush with cash, so they wanted to use pieces of eight, but they only one of them actually could, and instead they all just sort of used whatever they had on hand, which I thought was a neat little detail. It's um, very piratey. And, it's a game. Yeah. that like we have rules, but we're really crap at them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's sort of the, like, jankiness of the whole situation. Uh, one of the pieces of eight is the one guy's wooden eye, which sucks for him. Uh, I think that's Barbosa's. Uh, but he has it it's in his crewman. Cool. Like, what if anything had happened to that crewman where he had gotten knocked off the ship at any point in this movie? Like, like, oh, what are you going to do? The, what are you going to do about that, you know? Like, he's a fully independent <laughs> human who could have just left at any time. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, you know, pirates, they cut that... Life finds a way, I'm sure. (laughs) Jack's turn comes up and he points out that Salfung isn't there to try and stall having to give up his piece of eight, which is a coin tucked into his, like, little headdress thing. Um, But fear not, it's time for the dramatic re-entrance into the plot of our new pirate lord, Elizabeth, who's had a fun new costume change to show that she's powerful. Um, She does look awesome. She does. I love the Kira Knightley costumes in the end of this movie. No notes. Uh, all very cool, kind of like East Asian influences, but then she does the hair down thing during the battle, and it's just it's great. It's chef's great. kiss. Um, she tells them that their location has been betrayed, and that Jones and Beckett are on their way here, and Elizabeth proposes that they stand their ground and fight, which all the captains laugh at, as they think, A, no one can get to them in Shipwreck Cove, and B, it is a fool's errand to fight against uh, the East India Company like that. Barbosa proposes a third plan, release Calypso, and folks don't seem to like that, uh, so the council is split roughly, roughly 50-50 on whether to release her or not, and they all start brawling while like Elizabeth, Barbosa, and Jack watch from the other end of the table. It's a very fun shot. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole the whole sequence is great. Um, mm-hmm. And like all the very different pirate lords and what they look like, and, and like, they're just, yeah. the, the vibe. They're all it's very so distinct, like cultural like one is so clearly like a rococo frenchman and the other is like as you mentioned former like the the chinese pirate lady has got like the full like tang dynasty robes going on it's i i like the design of these different pirates it makes me sad we don't see too much more of them other than like a few throwaway shots of them cheering in the final third we cut away from the chaos of this meeting to tia slash calypso in her cell in the brig as she closes her music box locket, which I guess we're learning now is in fact a music box, because the last time it was open, Davy Jones was playing the organ too loudly for us to tell. Uh, <laughs> but, but when she closes the locket, the music doesn't stop, because Jones is here. He She thinks that he has come for her, and he is less happy about that, because uh, after ten years of doing his due diligence of ferrying souls to the locker, when he went to his day ashore to find her, she wasn't there. And she's like, well, that's my nature, you know? I'm Calypso, Witch of the Sea. I'm not meant to be pinned down. You, I gotta be what I gotta be. Um, and he's like, you don't really love me. And she admonishes him for being cruel and hiding from his true purpose to ferry souls to the locker, reaching out a hand to touch his chest. Oh, uh, and the audacity. The absolute <laughs> audacity of this, of, of this yes. woman. Right? How like, dare he to... not accept this curse that forces yeah. him to take on this role of ferrying souls like, to the afterlife? 
the whole the whole line where he goes like ten years I waited ten years and when my one day I saw you <laughs> went there and just like the, the, that I mean the audacity of her to turn around to that and go well you didn't fairy the souls afterwards what were you expecting I wasn't going to turn up in the first place yeah and just like, I didn't give you that kind you of paid time that? off what are you doing is an imp- the job security comes at a price man job security. <laughs> Uh, but she touches his chest and he appears not as a squid man, but as a man man. And it seems that they reconciled for a brief moment until she regrets him not having a heart to give her in exchange for hers. And he becomes re-squidified. He asks her what plans she has for her captors and she plans to be cruel, I guess. Uh, as Davy, turning away, swears his heart to her and disappears from the ship off to do Davy Jones things. Barbosa and shoots a gun a nice, to get him. Yeah. It's such a nice moment. I, I do love Davy Jones as a villain, just because he has that part uh, of him, right? He got, he's got, he got, like, I think, partially because people constantly tell us what it is, and partially because they do a pretty good job of building up to this little scene. Very clear motivations for, like, what can break the sort of squid cover that he is, in reputation that he is known for by all the other characters in the film. I could have used like one less scene of people telling me how to <laughs> him and what his whole deal is, but I can't fault him for that. That's on the writers of the movie. <laughs> Very much so. Yep. No, totally. I agree. I agree. Um, Barbosa shoots to get everyone's attention and says that if they set Calypso free, she'll give them all boons, which I guess he's assuming because he has a deal with Tia, but like we don't know too much about what that specific deal is, so it's kind of hard to know if that is accurate. Jack does his whole like suave Jack thing and walks around proposing a different plan that they should in- instead imitate the mighty cuttlefish and rebuffs the holding up idea because they would only last so long in a siege and uh, rebuffs the Calypso idea because they don't know what would happen if, you know, the witch is released into the world and instead says they should do as Captain Swan decided and fight uh, because in order to run away, they have to fight. Um, Barbosa reminds him that an act of war like that can only be called for by the Pirate King, as per the code. Who is elected by first past the post. <laughs> and Teague, the code keeper, makes his appearance. Uh, the Oh, so... Do you know who the code keeper is? Uh, Captain Teague, or do you mean the actor who plays him? The actor. Uh, top of brain, no. So, I don't know anything about music. I'm just going to make sure that I am getting this right. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. Um, Teague is played by... I don't know anything about music, alright? I am notorious, written by circles, for having no knowledge of music whatsoever. I don't know lyrics, I don't know songs, I don't keep up with musicians, really. I have a very limited music taste. This guy, in the scene, he's weird, right? Like, he's given this weird gravitas, and he's in for one scene, and he's gone. Yeah, he makes a brief nod at the end when everyone's cheering for having succeeded, but that's about it. Exactly. He's played by Keith Richards, or Mick Jagger, one of them. Oh. Apparently they're both played by... <laughs> Hang on. Mick Jagger was unable to make an appearance. Keith Richards was able to reprise his cameo role. Okay, so he's Keith Richards, who's apparently a very yeah. famous musician. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty well known. So I never got why this guy was so important, and now I realize that, like, you're meant to understand. It's, oh, it's, oh it's, it's Keith Richards. 
Yeah, he does have like a weird. I wasn't quite sure if I was just missing something from like a previous movie, but he had like a weird, almost like mentorish kind of weird relationship with Jack. And I was like, He's what's happening? Oh, his... yeah, that's what it is. Right, because he's right. like, oh, how's mom? And then he holds up the, how's like, mom and he's head. just shrunken it. <laughs> um, oh, that's, well, that's a fun fact. More surprise musician appearances. I guess that explains why he has such gravitas. And he also holds the code, which I guess gives him some uh, in-universe clout uh, as he brings out a comically large codex uh, full of scrawled-up rules. Um, and then a dog who is carrying the keys also shows up. Uh, I have to assume that this is just Keith Richards' dog in real life because the dog <laughs> never appears again. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's got to be Keith Richards' dog. I'm going to look. Keith, Keith Richards. <laughs> Does Keith Richard have a dog and was that dog in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End? No, I'm just seeing random images of dogs. Never mind. Hmm, maybe not. I'm going to choose to headcanon that even if it's likely incorrect. They open the book for scholarly review and they find that Barbosa is correct, that they do need the Pirate King to declare war with the addendum of the they must parlay with shared adversaries, um, which will come up later. So new political problem. They have no king and there hasn't been one since the first council because the king is elected by popular vote and each pirate always votes for themselves. Um, so they decide to have a vote, even though it'll be fruitless. Everyone votes for themselves until they get to Jack, the last vote, and he votes for Elizabeth, which means that Elizabeth has two votes. As this is a majority compared to everyone else, uh, <laughs> she, she is now the pirate king. <laughs> they are a little mad about that decision, but the code demands that they heal, so everyone just falls in line because they are incredibly um, bound to these rules, even as they are themselves anarchistic pirates. Elizabeth, of course, with her first act as pirate king, declares war, uh, and everyone is now gung-ho about the coming combat. Uh, no, and, 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 and what what does Sisumbaji say? What does Sisumbaji oh. say? <laughs> he has that, he stands up because he's been using it like someone else to speak for him this whole time. And then he stands up, he's got yeah. like, a really high-pitched voice. I didn't and catch goes, what the line he was. Goes, <laughs> he goes, and so we shall go to war. <laughs> I love it. So I good. love it. This is where Teague and Jack share their little moment uh, as brothers and go on and have a little conversation about living forever versus living with themselves forever because Jack has to have a lot of hemming and hawing about whether or not he'll actually decide to become the new Davy Jones. The pirates all line up their ships as fog rolls in and from within it, the enemy appears. Legions of ships, far more than expected. Uh, and now, because they must have a parlay as per the pirate code, Elizabeth, Barbosa, and Jack uh, go to parlay on a sandbar with Barnett, Davy, and Will. And Davy has to stand in his little bucket of seawater because he's got to be on the sea, which is kind of cute. And it's not supposed to be because he's the most It's, it's hilarious. I love that he's standing in a he's bucket. He's got to have a bucket. Because he couldn't had stand that on the idea. sandbar otherwise. Someone, yeah. someone had that idea, and it's amazing. And also, now we get time for some more trading. More trading. More trading. We're not done trading yet, and this is not the last instance of trading in this movie. Is so it not? Th th there's some arguable trading in the, the big climax. So oh, Barnett yeah. reveals that Jack was actually the architect of all this betrayal, uh, but Will takes tries to take responsibility for his own actions, so everyone's mad at Jack now. Um, and Elizabeth proposes an exchange. Jack for Will... And everyone but Barbosa is on board, uh, and he kind of scuffles with Jack a little bit before they trade him over, and in the process cuts off the coin from Jack's head wrap thingy, thingy before they send him over to Jones in exchange for Will. 
so he's got the piece of eight that Jack owned now. Elizabeth refuses to stand down from the man who murdered her father, Barnett, and so the pirates will still fight. Uh, Jack is taken to the brig of the Dutchman, where he sees his hallucination <laughs> selves, and also a hallucination of his future Dutchman self, whose like brain is loose and gooey. Yeah, that's weird. It's disconcerting. Yeah. I don't like mm, looking at it. Not a huge fan. Because none no. of the other fishmen like, have loose brains. It's just him. So it's just part of his imagination, I guess. Um, they're all mad that he's stuck in the brig, but he's still planning to stab the heart at this point. So he's actually in the correct ship that he wants to be in. It's all good in Jack's mind. Barbosa brings Calypso to the brig from the brig, uh, wrapped up in a comical amount of ropes that we will see will be insignificant later on. Oh, yeah, and they're, like, not even tied or something? No, they're like, just sort of bundled up. Like, she's just sort, sort of swaddled in up. rope. She's just, just swaddled <laughs> in rope, yeah. That's, that's right. Barbosa goes about his plan to release her, despite, because uh, he still has all the pieces of eight that he gathered earlier. I guess he just didn't give them back <laughs> to everyone and no one called him on. Apparently just took them. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I'll just keep these. Uh, and he goes to speak the words to release her, but nothing happens. Uh, as you need to speak the words to release Calypso as though you are her lover. Uh, so the eyepatch oh, crewman and, has yeah. to whisper it in her ear. Because he, then he, it he does like her. Yeah. It's like, it's like, there's like a couple of moments in the film where he goes like, oh man, she's hot. Like, <laughs> it's weird. It's funny, it's but it's weird. like they had to keep it in there because they're like, oh, how on earth are we going to do this? <laughs> Right, it's like, well, we wrote this rule in at this just now that no one has stated. Love. Yeah, because yeah. earlier we spent all of our exposition scenes re-explaining the rules of Davy <laughs> Jones, so and we never explained how to free Calypso other than gathering the pieces of eight. So now we got to figure it out in the scene, live in real time. Which is the best way to figure anything out. Yeah, of course. That's how everyone has come to their conclusions. Uh, yeah. Will, ad- <laughs> Will addresses Calypso, asking who it was that betrayed her, and she knows the answer, Davy Jones. Uh, and she cries out at this re- realization, rising uh, up and growing far too large to be contained by the mere ropes I've tied around her. Uh, and while everyone bows before Calypso, declaring that um, Barbar- Barbosa declaring that he's fulfilled his vow and asking for her favor to spare his ship and crew and to turn her power on those who declare themselves her master or his, she starts speaking in tongues and turns into a pile of, you guessed it, crabs. Crabs. It's <laughs> making actually a quite, reappearance. A cool, quite a cool, like, dis- dispersion of crabs. Quite yeah, it's like a that. lot of crabs. Um, quite a few. Quite a few and crabs. And they all scuttle off four. into the sea. Yeah. <laughs> I would maybe say more than four. Well, like seven? How funny would it have been if she turned into just, like, four really big crabs? <laughs> four fat, yeah. <laughs> just turned into four large crabs. Yeah, because she turns into thousands of really small ones, but I think that that's, that's small brain thinking. I think if they'd be, like, yeah, four really big crabs. That'd be crabs. so disconcerting, like, turning into four <laughs> big crabs. Really big crabs. They all assume that their, like, final hope of freeing Calypso has failed them, but then a wind picks up, and Elizabeth declares that all is not over. Um, Barbosa tells Elizabeth revenge won't bring her father back, and Elizabeth is like, yeah, you're right, but let me give an aspiring speech about it! Uh, and in a great uh, speech, uh, she stands on the railing and gives a rallying cry about all those yeah. who look to the pearl, seeking freedom and telling them to raise those colors it's, and it's true. be pirates. And- she actually reads out the UN Charter of Human Rights. It's quite oh. incredible. Fina- yeah, fascinating scene. Also, <laughs> Hoist the Colors. You know that song that plays there? Yeah. Like, Hoist the Colors doesn't mean anything. 
So really? when the cre- yeah when the creators were coming up with it, they're like, we needed a phrase that like sounded right in the context, mm-hmm. but could be said at any time we really wanted. Um, and like we just sort of came up with hoist the colors because you know you can say like oh like balloon the sails or whatever but it, it's not quite the same you know yeah, like there's a specific purpose to that hoist the colors could just be used as like a rallying thing so they've been they did that the whole time i mean it looks what it looks like is you're hoisting up your flag right right yeah but that's apparently <laughs> why they they did that that's a good decision on their part it's pretty catchy and yeah you know, i like eye, the eye catchy yeah i think it works but all all the crews rally around them. All the other we get all the other pirate lords rallying and all that. Um, everyone's raising their <laughs> flags. We get a little montage of all the different uh, you know, Jolly Rogers going up. Everyone's different designs. Some some familiar, some new. Beckett then gives Jones permission to take no prisoners, and Jones looks to the sky as it rains. He knows Calypso is free. I wonder if this will ever pay dividends. The Dutchman sets off as rain picks up, heading out to meet the Pearl, who is also leading uh, ahead of the pack as a massive maelstrom and whirlpool picks up in between them. Barbosa takes the helm at Elizabeth's call and does what he does best, be a pirate at the wheel, and oh man, <laughs> I love this for him. It's <laughs> a fantastic I can watch this all day. <laughs> no, we're going deeper into the thing, make it come it's just, yeah, oh, big once more into the fray energy. It's yeah, just, yeah. I could, I would watch a cut of this movie that was just Barbosa steering the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Davy two sails straight into the whirlpool, gunning for the pearl, and they begin to exchange cannon fire. With both ships getting closer and closer to the center of this whirlpool, inside the Dutchman, Jack breaks out of his cell. Uh, combat rages, and the best part of this is just kind of Barbosa again, living it up at the wheel. We love that for Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Jack gets to the captain's quarters on the Dutchman, where the two company men are still standing at the ready with the mini cannons and the heart, and he pretends that he's just there to get his personal effects and kind of does his Jack Sparrow nonchalant thing, uh, and asks why the guards are there when they could be literally anywhere else, and they sort of argue about this facing each other, which lets Jack slip in and grab the chest without them noticing. Does he say that? Does he say you could be literally anywhere else? More or less. I think he (laughs) doesn't add the word literally, but it's the same effect. Yeah, no, those two guys on the other side are also also quite fun. Yeah, and it's the first now, instance of, clear, like, the two comedic duo from the I, their side as opposed to the iPad I don't think Shorty. they know... I don't think they know what happens when you destroy the heart. And the fact that... That's true, they could have used to, someone expositioning They could have used a more, another exposition <laughs> scene to carry that information over. Thank God they didn't have it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jack waltzes in and goes, did you know? Did you guys know? There's fun fact... Um, that David Jones. The Dutchman and crew prepare to board the Pearl, but a cannon blast distracts them uh, as Davy Jones kills the commander from the company and takes the key to his chest heart. Because also, not only is there a chest with his heart in it, there is a key to open the chest to let you get to the heart in the first place. So we're adding another object that will trade hands a few times during oh, this fight yeah, scene. Oh yeah, there's the this, key as well. That's, key. that's that's right. Because the thing this movie needed more than anything else was another object to trade hands. <laughs> Like, there's literally an exchange where he goes, I've got the key, and he goes, no, you don't, you know, or whatever it is. Yep, um, the and... next second, Jack walks out of the captain's quarters with the chest and runs directly into Davy Jones, who's like, yeah, I got the key, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, and oh, this no. this beautiful moment where he's just kind of like, he's like, what, uh, oh, um, no. hi. <laughs> yeah, great. 
Um, he does more of his fancy rope flying and they end up sword fighting on the mast. They're going to just kind of be tussling for a while. Um, the crews of both the Pearl and Dutchman board each other and duel. This is where we get maybe one of the best scenes in the entire Pirates franchise where Will proposes to Elizabeth and they get married in the midst of the, yeah. the battle. Um, she yells to Barbosa to marry them and he begins to yell out <laughs> the <laughs> ceremony. He's <laughs> like knocking the swords, like fighting either side. Yeah. And the music at this point is so good. And then you come together and they're kissing and it's ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Good. The you may kiss the bride part keeps getting interrupted by fights, but eventually they just, you know, they get just their big kiss. cinematic movie kiss. Yeah. And it, it has the slow-mo circle around them, 360 shot. It's a whole big raging battle. It's very fun. Um, they built the two ships, by the way. In the Yeah. The yeah. production for this fight is so the, cool. <laughs> I know, I know, it's awesome. They built the two ships, the whole, like, the whole, like, inter, because like, the mass of the two ships, like, interlock, there's, like, ship-to-ship yeah. combat, it's near the center of this whirlpool, it's just a very over-the-top, this is the kind of, like, thing I think was missing from the middle of the movie for me, it's just, like, absolute nonsense action set pieces that are just swashbuckly and cinematic and cool. As Davy and Jack duel, Davy chaunts Jack for not having the key, but then Jack cuts off the tentacle holding the key, and their duel continues uh, until the collision of the two ships near the center causes Jack to fall onto the deck where he grabs a rope and swings around to shoot the chest out of Jones's hand. Uh, and at this point, Will swings over to the Dutchman because we're just going to be trading main characters from Pearl to Dutchman throughout the course yeah. of this fight. They just keep going, keep going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, the two goofy goons shoot the monkey out of a cannon over to the Dutchman, uh, where it proceeds to cause chaos and not die miraculously. Um, Will gets By the way, punched. That, that character, yeah. that little monkey, still never gets to be mortal. Like it is eternal for the forever. Always. Now. Till the end, <laughs> to the heat death of the universe, the monkey is there. <laughs> the monkey is one with the Dutchman now. What a move it would have been to have the monkey stab the heart, though. Can you imagine? The monkey stabs the heart. It's like, stabs and spills off the edges of the monkey. It's like, ah, finally. Finally, I can upgrading. become a sea monkey at last. <laughs> Will gets punched by a fishman and drops the chest that he's picked up. But it's not just any fishman. It's his dad, the only other fishman that we have a name for. And uh, despite their relation, his dad keeps fighting him because he's one with the crew, one with the ship. Davy and Jack both arrive on location of the dropped chest and continue their little fight, Jack mostly doing comedic dodges as his sword is broken, uh, when Elizabeth swings over to the Dutchman and squares off with Davy as Jack is knocked down, uh, a vantage point that allows him to see the key holding tentacle crawl on by. Elizabeth ends up in a bit of a tough spot, knocked down and out, uh, and Will has his dad's on the rope, though he can't tell him he won't kill him. He stabs his dad to like pin him to the side of the ship and make his... Oh, disengagement to go over to fight Davy before he can stab Elizabeth. Um, Will does manage to stab Davy jo Jones, but it doesn't work because, as we mentioned, Davy Jones is heartless and his heart is in a box. So if my, you hit him in the heart, nothing happens. My my, but Will should know that. So Will should my, know that. He's been I've expositioned out a few times. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> what the best way this scene should have played out is Davy Jones goes, Ah, that didn't work. Didn't you know that my heart is in a chest and if you stab it, you must become yes. the captain of the Flying Dutchman? And Will goes, I did not know that if you stab the chest, chest <laughs> up in the chest, that you become... Oh. I always hate this trope where a character is clearly immortal and the mm -hmm. characters, rather than, rather than actually try and, like, slash 
or like cut off yeah. their head or cut off their limbs. Do they some sort of stab them first, and then yeah. the person gets the weapon and they're disarmed. I've always hated that trope. Yeah, and it, it it just kind of feels dumb. Like I I can kind of buy like he the moment he was just doing whatever he could to protect his now wife. I feel like he Will is supposed to be smarter than that, and there had yeah. to have been literally anything else he could have done with that sword to block that attack. Um, exactly. Will then gets knocked down by Davy Jones, and Davy's like, oh, you and Elizabeth are in love, and he goes to kill Will. Uh, but before he can get an answer to, you know, whether William Turner fears death or not, Jack asks, asks the same of him, as he has a dagger and the heart, and he's ready to stab it at any second. But moments before he can, uh, because he's too busy monologuing or what have you, uh, Davy Jones stabs Will through the heart, R.I.P., Elizabeth rushes over to Will's side and his father, sensing that uh, he's here, his son is here, and he is free of his fishman senses, uh, tackles Jones to distract him. Jack hesitates for a moment before stabbing the heart. Uh, should he do this? Should he become the new Dutchman? While Will's dad wrestles with Davy. Uh, until eventually, a dagger does indeed plunge into Davy's heart. But it wasn't Jack. It was Will whose hand is being guided Will. by Jack. So now, on a technicality, I... Will is the one who... <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Let's talk about that. Cause... Yeah, okay, so that's a real asterisk there, you know. <laughs> at no point, at no point did they say, if you stab the heart then you have to yeah. replace your real, heart like, with it and become No it. man of woman born can kill. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I guess technically it is Will's hand, but Will is not consciously the ones moving it. It's He's basically so, dead. I mean, can you imagine, like, that revelation where, like, someone just keeps on using other people to stab <laughs> him and, like, hopes that yeah. he doesn't have to take so that he doesn't the... have to become Davy Jones. Yeah, exactly. That's... It feels like now, a technicality. How 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 intentional is this? If you like flicked a sword behind uh -huh. you, and it by chance, like you know, hit. Now would that mean right. that you don't have to replace it because you didn't you didn't intend it necessarily, or like? Well, Will didn't intend it here. Well, I guess Will no, so arguably he would still did have to take it. it. He would mm. he'd still have to take it. It's a gray What's area like... because they've sort of lightly danced around the idea that maybe Will and Jack want the same thing, but for different reasons, which is to stab J.V. Jones in the heart. Um, and so you what think you at together? first the solution, Ooh, do you, you both, do, do you only have to work five years, then you get two days of short leave? <laughs> you or is it like, what are the rules? Plan, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'll work the four, five, first five years. You can work the second. Yeah. And that way we both get five years on five years off instead of the one short leave day. You know, why not make it 10? One year on, true. nine years off, you know? True. That's true. Jack doesn't really have a lot else going on, so he could just let Will go live his life immortal. with Elizabeth. Yeah, everyone's chilling. Does that make his... Because, well, spoiler alert, Will is about to become Davy Jones' is new... The, 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 the Dutchman's new captain. Does that make Elizabeth immortal, too? Because they have a scene of, like, a flash-forward at the very end of the credits, and I couldn't tell if it was just Kira Knightley is too hot for them to have made her ten years older, or if it's supposed <laughs> to be that she actually didn't age. Well, I, I, I mean, when does your one year come they said it's one one day every 10 years they didn't say when that's you know. true but he lives out his one day at the end of the movie and then presumably it goes off and they have a 10 years later chiron that pops up so i'm I pretty have to sure assume i'm pretty sure it's past. 20 yeah because they have a kid together yeah yeah so i don't know davy jones maybe... rules that aren't monologued are actually quite a big <laughs> the nuances of the, the nuances of davy of the jones heart. Um, speaking of Davy Jones, he falls into the whirlpool and dies. That's 
Like, it's kind of anti... Like, it's a climatic moment because they have the Will stabbing the heart scene, but then Davy just kind of falls off the edge of the ship and into the whirlpool, and that's, like, the end of him. Yeah, I wonder if he should have, like, collapsed over and, like, lost the tentacles. I think Calypso should have, like, would her hand risen out of the whirlpool and grabbed well, him. Well, like a crab hand? Yeah. Like oh, a cra- if a crab claw... Yeah. Grab his body... I would like this movie so much more if a crab has somehow killed Davy Jones. I think that that would have really made it. <laughs> no, like the, at the end, yeah. So like you, you pan down and it's a crab claw. And, <laughs> and that would be so good. <laughs> That's amazing. That'd be so funny. But Barbosa and the Pearl unhinge their ship from the Dutchman and sail on out as Elizabeth hold Will as he dies. And the fishmen all emerge chanting, part of the ship, part of the crew. Part of the ship. Um, good music at that point as well. Good music, great music. Jack drags Elizabeth away and uses a parachute that he's made to escape the, the Dutchman. The worst parachute I have It's ever made seen. of seaweed, which is it's not ma- one flat thing. It's many small, heavy things that wouldn't fly. Not even a little. <laughs> and it's all full of holes. It's I- awful, but it works because this is a movie. And he flies out of the... the, 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 the... Um, yeah, Maelstrom and we see and... as he's flying out that the fishmen are taking Will's heart to put in the chest, as the Dutchman must have a captain. Yeah, the Dutchman um, must have a captain. And it can't Dutchman... be any of them. No, like... God forbid. They... <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's not a lot of upward mobility in pirate uh, crew structure, <laughs> so, and that applies to the Dutchman as well. So, as we all know, <laughs> this is not what we're doing. Um, the Dutchman sinks into the whirlpool. The storm clears up. I guess Calypso is satisfied or whatever. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that ever. Um, and they land in the sea as the Pearl pulls up to fetch them out of the waters. Uh, Gibbs is happy to see Jack and suggests that they run for it. The Armada is still there after all, but Jack is like, oh no, no, I have a plan. And he sort of takes command as Barbosa still there kind of looks like he's going to argue with him, but this is, I think, where they compare telescope size once again as yeah, this time Jack what, has prepared a larger one. It's either here or, like, right after. Barnett realizes that Jack expects them to honor their agreement as Jack has had the ship kind of, like, sit and wait for them. Uh, But, of course, the East India Company won't do that. It's just good business for them to renee on it. And uh, as he prepares to do combat with the Pearl, the Dutchman bursts through the water, uh, somewhat re-aesthetic as to match its new captain. He thinks it's still on their side, so he begins to engage. Uh, and as the Dutchman sails forward, the fishmen become real, very damp, uh, humid men, and the new yes. captain, Will, comes to the aid of the Pearl Pirates. Barnett realizes that both pirate vessels are surrounding him, and all of our leads are get to yell fire in their own solo shots uh, as they cathartically destroy the company ship, and Barnett... And- Fails to give even a single order as his master scheme comes crumbling down around him in one of the coolest shots of the movie. In one of the coolest shots, like, ever. Like, he's walking down the stairs and it's just blowing mm-hmm. apart behind him. It's fantastic. He's moving in, like, slow motion as all yeah. the destruction happens in real time. And, like, it, everything oh. is splintering until finally the step he's standing on is the last thing to, like, Absolutely. splinter apart. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's really... Yeah, no, it's, um, it's fantastic. And then, and then... There's actually this shot afterwards where someone hits the flag in the water. Yeah. Um, I've always found that kind of terrifying because I I grew up as a swimmer, which means that huh. on the on the on the upside, I've I've always had kind of a fear of drowning in a way. Mm. Um, and nothing like being trapped. Like if I fell into the water in like a parachute thing, like it's wrapping around me. Like getting out of that is horrifyingly difficult. Yeah. So that terrifies me. 
There you go, nothing more important there. Very affecting. I'm glad they gave him as dramatic an end as they did, because it's very easy to kind of give... Because they already had Davy Jones die, and he's a threatening villain. Um, I'm glad they put as much juice into Beckett's death Uh, as they did his. Uh, Arguably more, since Davy Jones, again, does just sort of fall into the world. (laughs) Just sort of stumbles off. Um, they really, they put all their, their juice into the last 30 minutes of this film because there's all the yep. best shots are like in this last 30 minutes. <laughs> the Armada begins to retreat. The pirates have won. Everyone cheers. We see all of our significant captains cheering in their own little one shots. Even the parrot and monkey have survived. And on the Dutchman, Will's father approaches his son for orders and Will reminds him that he's free, but he's like, obviously I want to stay and work with my son who's also now damned to roam the seas eternally with me. So I feel like this was a pretty solid choice all around. Will looks across the sea to Elizabeth and his father seeing this reminds him that he has a duty, 10 years at sea, one ashore, in case we had forgotten at this point what the Dutchman's whole deal was. (laughs) there's no caveat that she can't come on the ship. Not a one. It's like, the reason they don't is like, well, then she'll be damned too. And I'm like, but then they'll all be damned together. It's yeah, fine. Why t- wouldn't you want that? You're telling me that I would just be immortal <laughs> with my partner forever? Like, yeah. oh no. This man who you married in the midst of battle not ten minutes ago. Like, I feel like there's an obvious choice and you're not making it. Elizabeth gets in a little rowboat to leave the Pearl. Uh, Barbosa addressing her as Mrs. Turner, which was a very coy move of him. And uh, she says goodbye to Jack. And this is where they get the whole, well, it never would have worked out between us thing. And it's like, yeah, we all know that. It's only you yeah. two who are unfamiliar yeah, with the I'm idea. Yeah, I'm like, Jack, you're a real optimistic guy. Like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will and Elizabeth have their one day ashore, uh, so to speak, on a very uh, sensually lit beach. And before he sets off, Will gives his heart to Elizabeth in the chest that Davy Jones has. And she promises to keep it safe. Hopefully they'll do a better job than uh, Calypso and Davy did. And they have one last big old smooch. And then Will sets off to face his role as the new captain of the Dutchman, disappearing in a green flash to go to the underworld. Some time later, we are at a different port, and Jack is fraternizing with the local ladies, bragging about his vessel, the Black Pearl, which is currently sailing away without him in the distance. Uh, he wakes up Gibbs, who's asleep on the dock next to where the boat used to be, and he's like, and Gibbs like kind of thinks he's on the ship at first before he quickly realizes that he's not. Jack comes clean to the ladies in a speech which has been used as a TikTok audio many times. Uh, they slap him for lying to him to them and he slaps Gibbs uh, who then goes uh, walks away with the ladies as Jack watches Barbosa sail off with the pearl. Um, Barbosa gives the monkey the peanut that Jack had been trying to get earlier in the film and has been sort of a recurring motif for some reason. Uh, and the crew, <laughs> the crew, another object that has been traded quite frequently. It's true. <laughs> goddamn it's peanut. True. You know, by um, the end of this film, like I think all of the main characters could probably come up with like a tally of what they're worth. You know, like yeah. I am, I am worth approximately one compass and three days aboard in the brig. They you all know? have like, a very <laughs> accurate idea of their value monetarily. <laughs> um, and before you think this, that the like, trading of objects is done, of... we have one more trade left <laughs> to do. What? What did they? What's their last trade? So what? the crew all comes up. Uh, to Barbosa, like, hey, we're sad we left Jack behind. Can you show us the item you told us about to make us feel better? And he goes to pull out the chart, but when he unfurls it, it's got a big old hole in the middle because Jack has taken the circle spinny parts out and he, in his little dinghy, is setting off using the map to find the Fountain of Youth. And then we get the credits. And at the end of the credits, there's a little end credit scene where it's 10 years later and Elizabeth, who looks exactly the same, 
walks up to the front with the child, who we have to assume is her and Will's kid, and they watch as the sun sets and a green flash lights on the horizon, and Will sails back, looking as Orlando bloomy as ever, and they, we have to assume they have another day ashore, and that's yeah. the actual end of the movie. There we go. What a time. What a time. That was... This podcast, shorter than the runtime of the movies. So... <laughs> <laughs> is it? Technically. I... Technically. Yes, the movie is, is two hours and like 20-something minutes. Yeah, oh, we're... 20-something minutes. I think maybe like 28. It's pretty close to like 30 minutes over. Yeah. Oh. Good work, team. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank what you very film. much for talking about it with me. Yeah. Do you have any sort of like closing thoughts on it? Uh, any sort of like end? On the film? Um, vibe? I, yeah. Like, no, no. On, is... on how many objects were traded, obviously. Not okay. like <laughs> the lore of Davy Jones, any of that. Crabs, anything like in that world. Uh, um, it should just all be crabs. Just, mm. just everyone should be recast as crabs, and <laughs> <laughs> we'll just see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. That's my, that's my ultimate desire for the next <laughs> film. Uh, I have no more interest in any other parts of the Caribbean films. Um, mm. I think it should have just ended there. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. This is not... I, I really like the last 30 minutes of this movie, and I'm okay with the first hour or so, and the rest I kind of think i would have liked to fast forward through um but it's still this movie still has a lot of the fun of the first two a lot of the flair and like character work that makes this series work when it does uh it just feels like there was a bit of clunkiness in some of that middle writing that i could do without personally yeah there's there's kind of this uh, bloatedness to it Mm -hmm. right definitely yeah i think dead man's chest is probably the best one of the three yeah like I mean, I don't mind Curse of the Black Pearl, but here's the thing, right? I'm not really big on pirate films. Like, in terms of aesthetics, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not really big on, like, Wild West as a a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So if a a thing is Wild West set, I tend to just kind of uh, brush over it a bit. So Westworld, which does have a heavy Wild West thing, like, that, it succeeded in my brain in spite of that. And the first Pirates of the Caribbean is kind of the same. I'm not big on pirates as a theme, but it's so good on every other level that it works really well. That it works, yeah. Yeah, and so I think Dead Man's Chest is where that mostly came out for me. Yeah, I would agree. I think that that's the movie that... I think they had the most clarity of vision in that movie, and they kind of already tested the waters a little bit, so they knew yeah. what they Didn't wanted Barbara, to achieve. Uh, Barbosa, though. So. True. That is a knock, because again, any... If anyone has a link to like a supercut of just all of Barbosa's scenes across <laughs> these movies, they will send me. Oh my gosh! Um, so I'm looking at my Kickstarter. I'm not even kidding. Ooh. Davy Jones's Locker, the <gasps> the game, the board game. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I should there get you it. Go. You should. I, now I do wonder how do you become the captain of the Flying Dutchman. Well, uh, oh. <laughs> it's a little bit obscure, but my understanding obscure. is that you have to uh, stab the heart of the current captain, which is always kept in the chest that is the same chest every time, and oh. then you become the new captain, because uh, one with the crew, one with the ship, and then you are <laughs> cursed to uh, ferry souls to the locker for ten years, but you get one day ashore, and if you break that yeah. curse, you become a squid man. So those do, are the I, Davy Jones rules. <laughs> that's really good. And it's nice to know that when you're ferrying those people, you have options. You can never have them floating. You know, yeah, they can down. be in boats yeah. or face down in the ocean. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a lot of variability. 
sometimes your dead dad gets to hang out with you. Sometimes he doesn't. Uh, sometimes your girlfriend will get stuck on land. But don't worry. Be- by movie rules, you had one night together and therefore you have a child when you come back. Also, canonically, because Davy Jones can stand on land if he's in a bucket, that means that as long as Will, like, <laughs> I'm just saying that if she brought a bathtub to the like, edge of the ocean, to the shore, like, and he like, got... Like, rubber rain boots and always have them full of seawater, and then he could just, like, walk yeah, in the Yeah, or she boots. could just, like, tow a bathtub around the town, <laughs> and he just gets to lie in the bathtub, you know? That's true. I guess the problem is that if you betray the 10 years thing, you become a fish man. It seems to be the curse. I, Although the I always penalty. thought that's probably the main penalty. I always thought that was like a Calypso Davy Jones thing, but it seems to be that that's just anyone who pilots the Dutchman's, captains the Dutchman's yeah. thing. But I mean, mm. how much time is that? Because he's not... I mean, he's... Well, I guess it depends on how much Elizabeth cares about fishmen. I guess... <laughs> hey, would Orlando some, Bloom some be a hot people... fishman? Statistically, some... yes. <laughs> tentacles you know True. like the shape of saying. water proved that there's hope for all of <laughs> anyone <laughs> uh yeah i think i simultaneously want more davy jones lore and absolutely do not want any more <laughs> davy jones lore all at once um i think what i want is for elizabeth to just have, just have gotten on the ship and gone with them in the first place because and plenty also, of living people were on that boat throughout <laughs> the movie with davy no difficulties jones. Davy Jones was, he fell in love with, with Calypso when she Calypso, was not bound yes. to physical form, right? Right. Which means that canonically, at some point, he looked at the ocean and said, man, I want to fuck that. <laughs> he's like, that ocean could get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, he's just like staring over the thing and all his crewmen's are just like, sir, what, yeah. what, captain, what are, you, what are you doing? He's just like, just leave me alone, leave me alone. <laughs> One particularly curvy wave and he's like, oh, dang, that's it. <laughs> For me, baby. <laughs> oh. oh man, it's nuts. But yeah, I think this is a fun movie. The, the first three Pirates movies are just a fun watch. I think this is a solid like group movie too. You know, get your friends together. All deba- take a shot every time someone tells you how you become I'll the new Pirate <laughs> captain of the Dutchman. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. But Tim, thank you so much for joining me for uh, for discussing this movie, uh, for being I think one of the first episodes of this podcast that is actually shorter than the movie it's based on. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> if people want more from you to pad the runtime, uh, where where can they where can they hear more from you? Uh, well, I'm otherwise better known as Hello Future Me um, on YouTube, where I talk about writing and world building. Go read my stuff. Woo! There's links. Hell yeah. Uh, everywhere yeah i i have short stories published all over the place go read those sci-fi fantasy yeah that's all cool all of that will be linked in the show notes below and as a reminder to the movie struck lore uh, of course if you if you stab me in the heart you don't get to become the new host of this podcast (laughs) but you do have to update the show notes continuously uh with links to our guest content so you know keep that in mind um as you all know that death cannot free me from the curse of hosting podcasts i will be doing this eternally um <laughs> no one has told me if I, I get to exist and on shore at all but i'm sure we'll figure that out later but while i'm pondering this uh, i think that's time for us to sign off and go sail away into the distance so tim thank you again for joining us and we'll catch you all next episode <laughs> Woo. thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of movie struck We'll be back on August 22nd with another thrilling episode, but if you miss us before then, feel free to email the pod at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. If you're interested, check out the link in the show notes below. And if you want more from our guest, Tim, there are also links there to all of his wonderful content. Thank you to the patrons who joined us in July. It's because of you guys that were able to make this great show happen. And of course, thank you to all the other patrons who have joined us in the past as well. Uh, But a special shout out to Chucklebird and Nix. Thanks, guys.